For more Red FM podcasts, go to redfm.ie forward slash podcasts. And a very good morning. Mick Mulcahy back in the hot seat for uh, Neil and my thanks to uh, Kevin Galvin uh, for stepping in yesterday. I've had dozens of texts uh, as to why I've taken the odd day off from the Neil Prendival show uh, when it's normally a straight run through. And while I'm not one to uh, court pity or, uh, you know, advertise the fact, did have a pretty serious accident about 10 weeks ago. Uh, broke three bones <coughs> in my ankle and uh, has uh, have had to have ne- necessary procedures that couldn't be cancelled uh, to facilitate recovery, which has been long and arduous and difficult enough on the family as well. So uh, the last time I presented in the Apprentable Show here, I lasted a day. I tried it in a wheelchair and it was agony. Uh, and just to clear things up, because I wouldn't mention it at all, except that there are wonderful medical professionals out there that need to be recognised. First of all, and I'm kind of slow enough to mention them, to be honest, because they're such a wonderful facility. A jewel in the crown, the uh, emergency uh, centre in Grona Broher, the, uh, the Mercy Orthopaedic Centre there. Uh, an A&E beyond uh, anything you could ever experience. And uh, well done to, uh, well, I can only remember the name of Jerry the Doorman. He's a bit of a legend. But well done to everyone up there. Uh, everyone in uh, Ward 2A, fantastic set of nurses in the CUH. Uh, and yesterday, uh, you know something, we have the prob- probably the greatest health system in the world once you're on the right side of the door. If the government could address that and capacity, of course, once you're in and the capacity issues uh, have turned your way and you're given the green light to get a bed, uh, the care you get is absolutely second to none. So to Carl Vaughan and uh, Morella, to Valerie and uh, the wonderful Mary Montgomery, uh, whose brother is well known in, uh, in Cork actually is one of the, one of the big publicans in town uh, to everybody under the uh, head nurse in theatre uh, and I spent a lot of time as a child in the Mercy and uh, kind of surreal to go back in there uh, but I had to have a procedure done, wasn't able to cancel it so my thanks to uh, Kevin for stepping in and also of course I mustn't forget Helen Barrett and of course when you're coming out of sedation and um, uh, a lady says to you I'm Helen Barrett and I am uh, in charge of everything on this floor and I said, you're not the White Witch from Cove, are you? She said, no, I haven't heard that one before. Uh, but that's uh, how groggy I was coming out of it. But all's well that ends well. Uh, step on the road to recovery and happy to be here. Uh, so let's get into uh, our papers and have a look at what's happening uh, in the print world today. The Neil Prenderville Show. Cork's number one talk show. Pure Cork. On Red FM. I want to start with this one. It's a very strange story on the front, uh, sorry, not on the front, but in the uh, inside of the mirror. A dad who left a girl of two years of age at the roadside and drove off is jailed for three years. Stephen Maguire reporting. Listen to this. A dad who abandoned his baby daughter at the side of a busy road in the early hours to get revenge after the child's mother went on a night out was jailed for three years. Beg your pardon, that was my fault. Uh, This man, who cannot be named to protect the tot's identity, took pictures of the two-year-old before sending them to her mum and driving off. The young child was found crying cold and in a terrified state uh, by two passers-by at 5am. Judge John Aylmer placed the incident at the uh, higher end of the scale for such offences, saying the child had been exposed to significant risk of death or injury and could have easily been kidnapped. Uh, he added that uh, she had been exposed to all kinds of danger uh, in a fairly premeditated fashion. The accused, who was in his 20s, appeared at Letterkenny District Court in County Donegal, where he pleaded guilty to a charge of child cruelty. 
But uh, that's some way to try to exact revenge on someone for having a night out. Must have been, uh, uh, you know, bubbling up argument for a while. That's a pretty extreme way to make your case. Communion Costwo says the front of the Echo today. Dresses and shoes donated to families. A local charity has highlighted measures it has taken to help Cork families uh, struggling with the costs of communions and confirmations. Katrina Toomey from Cork Penny Dinners, great friend of the programme, said they have given 36 communion dresses and 24 pairs of shoes to little girls in need of help. They've also dressed 17 boys who turned up to the soup kitchen to collect their outfits. Meanwhile, nine boys and 15 girls received confirmation outfits from the uh, charity. It must be inordinate pressure uh, on anyone trying to give their child that wonderful day out and keep up appearances and, you know, have them dressed as well uh, as as their more well-off peers uh, and having to resort to, uh, you know, getting it this way, as uh, welcome as the service is and as wonderful as Katrina is. It must be difficult for parents, but uh, what a welcome um, support they're getting there from Cork Penny Dinners. Um, Katrina also styled a number of siblings with new clothes to make the day special, not just for those receiving a sacrament, uh, but for every family member. So once again, hats off to Katrina and Cork Penny Dinners. A cannabis grower and a dealer was his own best customer, a court was told. Gardy were, were called to an apartment in Cork City to investigate the sudden death of a young man and while present at the property, they found evidence of cannabis growing and dealing. The man who's now been sentenced on cultivation and dealing charges was the one who called the emergency services to his home because of his concerns for his friend who had taken ill and later died. More details on that in the Echo. And staying with the Echo, father and child had to jump to avoid a van. Liam Halen reporting that a father wheeling an infant in a buggy at the marina in Cork on a Friday afternoon had to jump out of the way to safeguard them from a van driven recklessly through the pedestrian area. Detective Garda Pat Russell gave details of this dangerous incident when he was testifying in the case against 19-year-old Keen O'Leary of O'Flynn House, Churchill, Main Street, Carrigaline, who appeared at Cork City Circuit Criminal Court on charges of stealing the van in Cork City and endangering life by the nature of his driving during an escapade that extended to the marina in Black Rock. Let's move over to the Irish Independent. Name and shame threat for profiteering supermarkets. Government examining plans to stop price gouging in retail. Philip Ryan, their political editor, reporting that supermarkets that price gouge could be named and shamed under plans being examined by the government. Enterprise Minister Simon Coveney is developing a suite of measures aimed at ensuring that major retailers are not profiteering from customers by keeping food prices high despite inflation going down. He's examining whether to introduce new reporting mechanisms for companies that would require them to detail margins. See, they're opening a can of worms if they keep this up uh, and then you'll have the government peering into their margins. But this will uh, require them to detail margins that are ma- that they're making on certain products. Mr. Coveney is also considering plans to force retailers to reveal specific profits they make from Irish customers, even if businesses are based in other countries. It's all about, uh, or it's about more transparency around who's making what margin and ensuring that the customers are getting a fair deal here. And of course, there are huge conglomerates. There are the multinationals uh, and and the huge chains that use their volume of turnover to uh, extract great discounts from suppliers. Uh, But the question is now, if they don't start passing them on, 
Um, they're going to have uh, their books opened and some revelations made. And staying on the food news for shoppers, uh, in the Mirror today, a 10 cent bread cut as retailers are given six weeks to slash prices. Bread prices are being sliced <clears throat> from this morning as the supermarket's price war rages. Tesco and Aldi are lowering the cost of own brand bread uh, by 10 cent after uh, recent reductions in butter and milk. It comes as the government puts pressure on supermarket giants to reduce their prices. The big multiples have been accused of jacking up prices during the cost of living crisis, but failing to reduce them after the the urgent uh, after input costs uh, fell recently. I beg your pardon. Uh, here's one from the Irish Daily Mail, which should uh, evoke some conversation around the coffee tables this morning. Three parent babies offer fresh hope to IVF users. Recent births of three parent, yep, three parent babies could provide new hope for women struggling to conceive. Many women who repeatedly fail to start a family through IVF have poor quality eggs, says the Irish Daily Mail. But this week's revelation that the first three parent babies have been born in the UK uh, using the egg of a second woman who is not the mother uh, raises hopes that the uh, pioneering technique could now be used to help more childless couples. So is that three DNAs going in or is it still two DNAs going in to make up the uh, the new child's DNA? I don't know. The procedure was done to avoid mothers passing on an inherited disease carried within their egg. Uh, the only legal use of the procedure. This is in the UK so far. Uh, so you can check that out on uh, page... I can't see the page number. Uh, Irish Daily Mail. Uh, anyway, Eurovision Slam Contest. Wild youth frontmen say organisers never give Ireland... A chance. Wild Youth's frontman Conor O'Donoghue has blasted Eurovision organisers. The band crashed out of the semi-final stage in Liverpool on Tuesday night and failed to make it through to the grand final on Saturday. Conor said in a now-deleted post, uh, The truth is, they never give Ireland a chance. Sorry if we let you down. We tried our best. But then again, um, as I said the other day, my first time hearing it actually was uh, two days ago. Uh, on Tuesday and I came on the back of the song and said you know something that's not the best wild youth song I've ever heard because when I was back doing the request show a few years back here on uh, Red FM on Sundays wild youth were highly highly requested and they were relevant and they were poppy uh, and they were kind of glitzy and very very sing-along catchy tunes uh, that one didn't grab me anyway I think it was in the in, almost down at 193 or something in the Irish charts so that might be another indicator as to its ability to win Eurovision or indeed to its popularity, but RT's Eurovision chief has blamed the station for being underfunded when selecting acts for the contest. Michael Keeley was speaking after Wild Youth crashed out of the semi-final and will miss the showpiece in Liverpool on Saturday night. We haven't qualified since 2018 when Ryan O'Shocknessy represented us with his song Together. Uh, Mr Keeley said we're extremely proud of Wild Youth. They put on a brilliant performance and were fantastic representatives for Ireland. More of the same. But we'll keep putting them in, I suppose. Waving hello to a return to Alfresco boozing. The star today has fees for furniture on the street to be axed. Fergal Blaney reporting pubs and restaurants are set for another bumper summer of outdoor eating and drinking, as all fees for outdoor furniture will be waived again. Uh, local Government Minister Dara O'Brien will be in the Leinster House Committee uh, rooms today to update TDs and Senators of the uh, Tourism Committee on his plans. It normally costs the bar or restaurant €125 Euros in local uh, council fees for every table they wish to put outside their premises. 
However, with the hospitality sector on its knees during COVID and its aftermath, and of course the projected lack of tourists this year because of no accommodation for them, uh, these fees are going to be waived again. So that's welcome. We don't exactly have Mediterranean weather here, and it's nice to sit out in the few days uh, that it's warm enough to do so. Holly and Phil are barely on speaking terms, says the sun. Uh, this morning... Um, Hosts Holly Willoughby and Philip Schofield are apparently barely speaking offset, uh, the Irish Sun reveals today. Um, it's hardly a front page story, but it is here. Uh, insiders say their 14 year relationship has cooled as issues, issues have rumbled for some time on the TV show. Maggie Dismay, uh, Rod Stewart coming to Cork again very shortly. I've been sued after kicking balls <clears throat> at my fans. Rod Stewart says he's been sued twice by fans who were injured by footballs he kicked at at his concerts. The uh, Celtic superfan used regularly to uh, boot signed balls into the crowd for fans, but the gimmick has backfired. Rod, who's now 78, uh, said he has now stopped the stunt after accidentally hurting a friend during a concert last year. He said, I got one or two lawsuits. In fact, when I got to the Hollywood Bowl last year, a dear friend who came all the way over to see me got smashed in the face with a ball. It broke his glasses. He's still having operations. It was very upsetting for both of us. Rod joked that he later told his pal, you've got to keep your eye on the ball in all sports, mate. Uh, So there you go. Rod Stewart coming back to Cork very shortly as well. And I want to give this a quick mention. Uh, It's in uh, the Cork Independent. And we don't often feature Cork Independent. Michael Olney reporting. A pair of French rowers will set out on an epic journey from Limerick to Cork this weekend in search of adventure, discovery, friendly encounters and even a few games of chess over a pint of stout. Charlotte Dubois, or Dubois, and Jan Lefloc from Rennes in Brittany aim to complete the trip in 36 days, rowing for up to seven hours a day, uh, depending on conditions and stopping at different locations every night along the way. As well as loving the sporting challenge, the pair uh, say they are extremely excited to see the beautiful Irish countryside and to meet the local people in each town they visit. Uh, Charlotte and Jean, who both love chess and Guinness, will be bringing poetry, music and stories with them and encourage all locals to come out and chat with them when they're out and about. So they're taking their time, really, uh, if they're going to do that over about a, about a month or so. But Limerick to Cork anyway. Uh, uh, so they're going to try and row the distance over the coming weeks. And uh, we may have a little on them later on in the programme to give uh, a little bit of uh, a spotlight to them. Uh, but I'd say they'd be interesting company if they rock up with their Guinness and chess. Those are the morning papers. Uh, we go to our phone lines after a short break. Call the Neil Prenderville Show now. 0818-104-106. Red FM. Now, interesting developments in the recent uh, Tullamore mortgage case. Uh, and we will be speaking in, in some detail about it over the course of uh, the next couple of days. But Alan McGee joins us in line too. Good morning, Alan. Good morning, Mick. Now, I realise this isn't, uh, you know, it's not really a spine-tingling subject for many listeners, but it has great import uh, for many. What happened in Tullamore could have far-reaching consequences for those who are under pressure. Uh, And uh, let's talk about the basis of uh, fixing of interest rates. Uh, This is going to involve us, I imagine, talking about PIPs and PIAs, which are personal insolvency practitioners and personal insolvency arrangements. Uh, But the court rejected objections from the Vulture Fund here. Can you take us through it? I can. Um, what happened in Tullamore was that a proposal was put forward for an insolvency arrangement that sought to have the interest rate fixed uh, for 25 years. And 
Pepper were the creditor who objected to it and the they they refused it at the creditor's meeting and the uh, the insolvency arrangement was appealed to the court and the court was persuaded that the fixing of the interest rate would give certainty to the debtor and they permitted it to be uh, to be allowed. I, I, now, I, read, I read that Pepper weren't the actual uh, owners of the mortgage but perhaps were the, were the overarching umbrella body that ultimately owned it. That, that, was it Pepper making correct. the objection? It's Pepper making the objection. What they have done, which is, I suppose, it's a fudge to, uh, to how the vulture funds are regulated, is that the fund, the loans are bought, the distressed loans are bought from the banks and they're bought by foreign funds, American and UK funds and elsewhere. And they're not regulated by the, uh, by the central bank. So what they do is the legal ownership is vested in Pepper, who are their servicing agent, and the beneficial ownership is owned by these funds. And we're dealing with this daily as insolvency okay. practitioners. And the call is being made by funds from outside the country, and all they're looking at is the bottom line. Of course, but th- and and this is often done without the uh, knowledge or permission of the borrowers. The sale of the loans? Mm-hmm. Yes, that is. Very much so. It, it'll come as a surprise when a letter comes in the letterbox to somebody at home that their loan has been sold to a vulture fund. And the problem with that is, is that you are now at the mercy of these funds who, in in their instance with fixed rates, don't offer and won't offer fixed rates. And that is... You might have a perfectly performing loan on your home and it might have got caught up in a loan sale because of something else. And now you've lost the protections or you've lost the benefits that you would get from a mainstream bank. And that's that's the difficulty creditors are facing, our debtors are facing. So how important is this uh, recent ruling in Tullamore? The recent ruling in Tullamore is important, but it follows on from previous rulings. Like... Uh, myself, I had a case where I was uh, the practitioner for a Cork debtor and we had a Cork barrister and solicitor and Brian Hallison and Eugene Carley running a case in January in Cork Circuit Court where we had uh, we had the interest rate fixed at 2.75% for 30 years. So we this is being done out there. It, it all goes back to a case that was done in 2017 in the High Court, where the High Court said that under personal insolvency, it's permissible to fix rates for any period of time, including up to the full lifetime of the mortgage. So it was on foot of that case that they that it's permissible to be done within an insolvency arrangement. And it has been done uh, up to now. This case here has got some, uh, has got some uh, publicity on it. But the cases are being done, and they are being done at levels here in Cork for Cork, for Cork debtors who are in trouble with their mortgages. Okay, so would you deem somebody to be in trouble with their mortgage if, it, if their mortgage, even if it was performing, has been sold to a vulture fund? Does action need to be taken? The, the difficulty there is is that you can only pursue an insolvency arrangement if you are insolvent, and if you are if you have a loan with Pepper and it's perfectly performing, and and you're not in arrears on it, you can't pursue an insolvency arrangement. But if you if you are in difficulty and say. 
the rising interest rates have gone up so much that you're no longer in a position to pay your mortgage and you fall into arrears, then you can proceed with it. But if you're if you have a perfectly performing mortgage, uh, you you can't avail of this process. Okay. Now the the difficulties that these people are facing is that if you have a perfectly performing mortgage and you want to go and fix the rate, Pepper won't won't give you an option to fix it. Whereas the other banks, if you had stayed with one of the banks who sold it, you could go into the bank and look for a fixed rate, which mm. you can't now. But that, that wasn't a choice you made, presumably, because the, the banks did it without your knowledge or permission. Correct, yeah. And that's where that's, this term mortgage prisoner is coming out of, is that uh, you've no say in it, your loan has been sold, and then you're at the mercy of these creditors, and their interest rates are just going up and up. And I've heard your previous uh, speaker there talking about the increase in living and interest rates. And that is a difficulty. However, if it is the case that you are in difficulty and you you have got financial difficulty in repaying it, there are options uh, within this process. And it doesn't have to be just a fixed rate. We had a case recently for another Cork lady where her interest rate when she came to us was at 4.5 had gone up to 7% and we restructured her mortgage down to, we got a, a discount on it, but we also got our interest rate reduced to half a percent variable. And that was a saving of €1,785 a month. Wow, that is huge. Uh, especially yeah. if, if somebody is, uh, you know, in a strapped position. Mm-hmm. So there is there is solutions out there uh, if the people if the people meet the criteria for it. Um, if they don't, they, there is an onus, I think, on the government to try and bring in more regulation of these insolvency funds. And I have read there, Minister McGrath welcoming this decision and, and stuff like that. But the problem here is, is that the government have or are in, have entered into a review of the insolvency arrangements since 2017 and there have been uh, recommendations made to government for changes to strengthen the position for borrowers through the legislation and nothing has been done uh, since the submissions in 2017. So mm-hmm. where people's positions or the borrower's positions could be strengthened and, and mm-hmm. looked after better in respect of uh, stubborn funds and uh, obstinate creditors, that hasn't happened. And uh, I think there's an onus on the government rather than welcoming circuit court decisions to actually take a proactive uh, step and to start uh, legislating for for these areas. That's a fair point. I'm hoping to uh, speak to Finance Minister Mike McGrath tomorrow. We were in touch last evening, but we haven't uh, confirmed yet, or indeed confirmed a time yet. But hopefully that will happen uh, on tomorrow's uh, Friday's programme. Uh, about 30,000 mortgage prisoners could be affected, hopefully positively, by this uh, by this decision, though, albeit coming from a court, not from the government. That's the figures that are being put out there. But as I say, each of these will depend on their own circumstances. And if you're looking to get a fixed rate, the fixed rate will be depending basically on the, on the circumstances. Now, the, the funds, and I, I have been both the insolvency practitioner and the solicitor for a lot of these cases, the funds will argue that they are being unfairly treated by fixing the rates where the 
borrower may have improved circumstances going forward or something like that and that they're being prejudiced by by this. But if you are in a situation where you've got a set income and you've got uh, set expenses, then you fit into that category very well for fixing of an interest rate because that gives certainty to the borrowers and to the court to know that these people can make those payments. And that's where this comes in uh, to help to help borrowers. Yeah, well, I, I suppose that's subject to an SFS, a standard financial statement, where they go through with a microscope every single uh, ounce of expense every single penny coming in uh, and often even if you get uh, a, a resolution will still leave you to the pin of your collar. Oh it is. The, the insolvency process is designed to assess your income, your reasonable living expenses which are based on the uh, cost of living as set down by the Insolvency Service of Ireland, your mortgage payments on top of that, house insurance, car insurance etc. And then the difference between your outgoings and your income is money available to pay your creditors because you're insolvent and you enter into that process for a period of time and at the end of it, your unsecured debts would be written off and your mortgage would probably be restructured. That's the nature of it. There has, There is an element of pain, but it's, but it's, it's assessed of what is, uh, what is uh, affordable to you to in order to maintain a reasonable standard of living. Mm-hmm. So that's the that's the process. So yes, you are subject to that and that's what a personal family practitioner does. He assesses your capacity for for repayment, uh, prioritizing your home and prioritizing the basic minimum standard of living for you and your children. And if there's money left over, there'll be a dividend to the unsecured debts to discharge them and once they're gone you get back on with life. Or in some cases, it's only just a mortgage on its own and it's a matter of restructuring the mortgage to what's affordable. Mm. But most practitioners would be setting out to bring a family back to having sufficient money monthly to live, support their family and to pay their mortgage and provide housing for them. And are, are you in a worse position then if you have children but they're all gone past the age of 18? Uh, than you would be if you were, you know, having under 18 dependents in the house? That will depend. If your children are over 18 and they're in college, then you can uh, make a special circumstance for providing for them. And the High Court has held that 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 is uh, permissible, you know, and it's accepted that nobody or very few people would would say to their children, you're 18 now, you've just done your leaving cert, goodbye, we're not looking after you anymore. Mm-hmm. All families will look after their children through college if they can, and that's allowed for. And, and the banks fought that originally, and then the High Court says no, it's allowed, so they accepted it. So the once the children grow up and become independent, well, then you don't have uh, you don't have that extra expense. But the case I was explaining to you at the first one about where we fixed it in Cork, there were no children; it was just an adult couple. Mm-hmm. And it was based on their circumstances. So every case fluctuates, every case is different, but the principle remains the same, that you have to have a sufficient uh, amount of money to live on and to house yourself. And there are some cases where housing costs might be exorbitant and might be affordable for you, and there's other schemes such as the mortgage or rent scheme then that can be uh, pursued to keep people in their home and provide uh, accommodation costs at an affordable rate for them. 
Yeah, there's a myriad of issues. There's a lot of red tape, I imagine. But if any of our listeners are uh, triggered by this conversation and and would wish or don't know if they need to uh, have a look at your services, where can you be found, Alan? Well, I'm based in Middleton myself, but there are other, uh, the Awalia scheme and the ISI and the Awalia website and the ISI website will have a list of personal sanitary practitioners around the country. There are some of us here in Cork who are well experienced in it and are getting good results for uh, borrowers in distress uh, on a weekly basis. So you can look to myself or my colleagues here in Cork and that will help people out. Okay. And, and in the current climate in Ireland, is, is it, uh, it, it must be a, a burgeoning industry now as uh, people are getting squeezed. I suppose the tracker people who were once at a huge advantage are now being squeezed by the incessant uh, and continuing uh, interest rate rises by the ECB. They are, and they, they, people are calling on the government to make some element of uh, support, whether it is mortgage interest rate relief or whatever, to, to help them. But unfortunately, the tracker rates are... Um, it's a contract that they've entered into with the bank, so they're obliged to stick by that unless they want to go into their bank and change from the yeah. tracker rate to a fix, but they can't do that with the funds, uh, you know. Yeah, but many people are probably holding on now and squeezing themselves, uh, staying with the tracker on the basis. It's It's got a... What goes up must come down later in the year, hopefully. Absolutely, but if, if if it is a case that your tracker rate is increasing to the extent that you can't service your other debts... Well, then you, you, you're entering into the realm of insolvency and you could do an insolvency arrangement to, uh, to, to, to uh, deal with your other debts. Okay. And that, F- that's finally, a regular thing. Finally, Alan, and thank, I thank you for your time because we must move on. Uh, the practice which used to exist of, let's say, cobbling all your unsecured and short-term debts, your credit card debt, and maybe you have a holiday debt, credit union loan, uh, you've, you know, you, you've a whole load of um, high interest debts. Uh, the practice of cobbling all that together uh, and uh, making a new mortgage arrangement, uh, arrangement, which probably depends on your age more than anything else, is that still common? I don't see it now. I think it's uh, that's one of the mistakes from the from the Celtic Tiger era that seems to have been gone nowadays. If you have all of those debts and you can't pay them. You uh, you seek to to do a deal with creditors and write them off. Sure. Okay. Uh, thank you for representing your industry in what was not a blatant plug for your own services. I have to say, <laughs> <laughs> Alan, Alan McGee. Th- thank you very much for joining us on the Neil Prenderville Show. Cheers. Okay. Talk to Neil Prenderville now. Oh eight one eight one zero four one zero six. Corks Red FM. Good morning from the Neil Prenderville Show, and this is Mick Mulcahy. Neil returning on Monday week. Now, in line three is a man who wrote a very popular book. Uh, on the subject of mortgages. He wrote The Mortgage Coach, and that is Joey Sheehan. Uh, good morning to you, Joey. Good morning, Mick. Thanks for having me on. No, you're welcome. Uh, we'll stay on the, on the topic we were just talking about because uh, the term mortgage, now mort is death, which means it's, it probably means you'll owe us till you die, does it? Well, mortgage means, uh, in French, death pledge. So <laughs> it's not a nice word, but the quicker you can get rid of it, the better, uh, Mick. So um, that, that's what we're trying to do with people all of the time, is trying to make sure they're paying the least amount they have to. Um, you know, pay as little as possible. Pay an extra uh, 100 here and there. Um, even if you, I put something up online last week, where if you give up a cup of coffee a day, 
at 350 so let's say you saved 100 euros in the month and if you instead paid that into your mortgage uh, based on a 300,000 mortgage over 35 years you'd actually knock about four and a half years off your mortgage yeah well, was so, it Al- Albert Einstein who said that compounding is the eighth wonder of the world and that's normally um, people saying you know, if, if if I'm getting a daily interest rate or a monthly or a weekly interest rate or something, uh, and, and that is compounded on the following week, month or year, uh, then, the you know, the, the figures can rise pretty quickly. But we're looking at this in reverse. Uh, if you can afford, number one, get, get the least amount you can afford or you can secure to pay on your mortgage and then start attacking it by compounding it backwards by paying off extra. Exactly, and um, the higher the rate, obviously, the, the more severe the compounding is. So, you know, we, we've had it very good, and I was listening to um, Alan McGee talking there about people under, you know, insolvency pressure and that type of thing. I suppose he's he's giving one piece of advice where people just can't meet their payments, and, you know, I would say to anybody in that boat, um, you know, go and talk to Alan uh, or, or another pip and take advice there. And, and they, they they are getting good deals for people. What we're dealing with are people probably not not in that uh, category, sure. or, or maybe pre that category. So everybody uh, wants to pay as little interest as possible. Some people, you know, we just want to pay less. Why would we pay more when there's an option to pay less? Uh, other people, they're kind of on the breadline, and if rates rise much further it could push them over that line and, um, you know, it's causing a lot of pressure for people. But I, I just have one example here, Mick. So the average mortgage outstanding, according to the Central Bank uh, report last week, is around 224,000. And if we assume uh, a margin, a tracker margin on that of 1.15%, with an average, we'll say, of 15 years remaining, today, that person the ECB is now 3.75%, add the margin of 1.15%. Today, that borrower is paying 4.9%, which equates to 1,759 a month. Now, if that person were to switch, like, so today, people can take control here, Mick, and this is important that people, this is highlighted to people, because today we have a rate available of 3.25% on a three-year fixed under 60% loan to value. So that borrower today, uh, if their loan to value is under 60%, we can switch them for a three-year fixed of 3.25, which saves 1.65% uh, on the interest rate. Now, to put that into figures, that would be a saving of 186 a month or 2,232 a year. So there, there are options out there for people um, and, and rates will rise. So the tracker rate will rise further. These other rates, alternative rates with some of the banks available will probably rise as well. But, but by shopping around, there's always a saving out there. Okay. And, and that's what you do. Is, is there or are there fixed rates that are available at the moment that are now looking very, very attractive to people? Well, this example here, so 3.25 on a three-year fixed, we can get today. That's three-year fixed. Yeah. Where, do, where do you go then? Um, well, I suppose you're looking at the market then and seeing where where is it at at that point. There are longer-term fixed rates. So we, we have, um, you know, there's 10-year fixed rates available in the region of 4, 4.4, 4.5%, depending on your loan to value. So that still is beating the 4.9%, not by as much, but it's giving certainty for that period. Mm. Are, are we seeing uh, mid-priced houses? And, and you know, I don't want to offend anybody, but um, you know, uh, three-bed semi-Ds up to four-bed detached in nice areas. Uh, are we seeing them escalating in price more than we are, say, uh, you know, your one million plus property, where these rates now are causing the availability of money or value to be squeezed? 
I don't think these rates, I don't think the increase in rate is having a huge impact on the price of property because, um, like, I had a first time buyer a couple in with me the other day and they're earning between the two of them about €80,000. Now, they could borrow up to €320,000 and their payments on that, um, even if rates, if they ended up paying 5%, which is probably higher than what they would pay, their, their, their repayments on that would be in the region of about €1,600 a month. Mm-hmm. Now, this particular couple are both living at home with their families, but they've looked at renting properties and the type of property they want to live in, if they were to rent it, they could be paying 2000 if they could even get it. So mortgages are cheaper than paying rent. So a similar property, if you go and buy a property, we'll say for three bed semi, 335000 you borrow 300000 you're paying about 1500 a month. If you were to go and rent the same property, firstly, you mightn't be able to find one. But secondly, the, the rents could be 1700 1800 and depending on the location, even higher than that. Okay, but I'm constantly meeting people who are trying to get on the housing ladder and even with their joint income and the fact that they can prove that they have savings and that they would have three, four, five hundred euros more in their pocket if they had a mortgage than if they were renting and they're offering what would seem to be reasonable security on that basis to banks, just can't get a mortgage. Yeah, so so what I'd say is that, you know, reach out to us at my mortgages or, or find another broker. Like, we, we take a couple, if they're, income between the two of them, we'll just say it's 60,000 combined. We can get up to four times that amount, which is a loan amount of 240,000. Their savings would go on top of that. What's needed there, percentage-wise these days? 10%. So let's just say somebody, a couple like that starting out, they're looking to buy a property for we'll we'll say 270. They then would need 10%, which would be 27,000, plus 1% for stamp duty, which would be 2,700, plus a couple of thousand for legal fees the bank would want to see. So a couple looking to buy for 270 would need to show in the region of 32,000 euro total in savings. Now, if those individuals, if they're looking, you know, at a new build property, there are some very good incentives from the government. So the revenue help to buy scheme, you can get up to 30,000 back from tax you've paid in the previous four years. In addition, that can be combined with the first home scheme where you can you can take up to 30, 30% of the value of the property in total. But if you're using the help to buy scheme, that comes out of the 30%. So there, there are good schemes. And actually one, one uh, that a lot of people aren't aware of yet, make it fairly recently announced by Minister Darrell O'Brien, is that if you're renting a property... And if you've received a notice of termination to leave that property, the first home scheme can apply to you. So let's just say the house you're renting is worth 400000 and you're a couple and you've got an income of 70000 between you. You can borrow four times that amount, which would be 280000 of a loan amount, which mm-hmm. is 70% of the 400000 value of the property. The gap of 30% potentially could all be claimed uh, using the, the first home scheme, which means basically the government would have, uh, or the council, a, a 30% stake of equity in your home. So this is actually a game changer if you fell into that category. Um, where So if you got notice to leave your property, potentially that, that could work out very well for you if you're able to get a mortgage and apply the first home scheme uh, in that instance. But that also dep- depends on the landlord not wanting to go to the market. Well, generally, if they're giving notice, they are going to the market. That's the reason, in, in most cases, because they're looking to sell the property, like we've heard 
in the media, a lot of landlords leaving the property because of the property market because of over-regulation and, and the, the fears of they can't increase the rents and that type of thing. So as as a viable um, investment, it's not as not as attractive as as it, as it was or other other investments. So. Um, but that's something definitely that somebody listening here today that will this will apply to and it could be a, a game changer for them. Yeah, well, I suppose it does depend a little on on, on the on the landlord saying, okay, it's valued at four hundred, but I think it'll get four twenty. So screw you, I'm kicking you out and I'm going to the market. That's my, that's probably happening as well. Yeah, I, I, I've seen, but, but look, um, it, it's an option for people anyway, and um, um, you know, but people can, my, my, the, people can take control. And if you have an existing mortgage, you need to shop around. If you're looking to buy, you need to shop around. A mortgage is the biggest investment uh, in most people's lives that they will ever they will ever do. So it's important to get advice and keep it under constant review. And another point actually to make is that a lot of people in fixed rates. If I entered into a three-year fixed rate two years ago, and that's expiring next year, obviously when I'm coming out of that next year, the chances are the rates are going to be higher next year than they are today. So people don't realize that you can actually exit your fixed rate anytime you like. Now, an early breakage fee may or may not apply. In a lot of instances, we're seeing zero breakage fee with, with numerous lenders. So what I would say to anybody, even if you're in a fixed rate, you know, pick up the phone, give us a call. We can tell you, um, you know, what options are out there. And it might make sense to actually exit a fixed rate today rather than waiting for the expiry of it in one year or two years' time. And you could lock in for another maybe five-year fixed rate now uh, that would be similar to maybe what you're paying. And so so very, very much like the advice is always check your utilities and change suppliers uh, every 12 months. Well, you know, if you change and you make a saving... Put that note in your diary a couple of weeks before the year anniversary and, and shop around and make another change. Can this be done with mortgages then through the likes of absolutely, your services? Absolutely. And if somebody rings us, we'll know in a matter of minutes, two minutes, you know, is there a runner? They'll tell us what bank they're with, what rate they're, they're on. We might say, yeah, stick with that. That's the best you have. Or, you know, maybe take a fixed rate with that same lender or, or maybe go to a new lender and switch the mortgage altogether. But th- this baffles me, Mick, because I've seen people, um, you know, and, and they've got rid of their Sky TV. They can't watch matches, um, you know, and maybe like last week with the hurling, that they're not paying 12 euro to go and watch the hurling because they're trying to save every corner. But then they're not reviewing their mortgage, which could save them, like in the example I gave there a while ago, 2,200 a year. Um, you know, so, so people are, in some cases... That, that'll uh, cover their GAA go, will it? <laughs> you can sign up for the full year for that. I, I wonder if I could impose on your generosity of your time, Joey, to come back to me after news at 10 o'clock. And maybe we can do a live... Uh, we have uh, a listener who'd like to get some live advice uh, and see if uh, his particular case can be assisted. With it. Would you be open for that? Absolutely, we, uh, Mick, yeah. We, we can do that. I just want to, in case I forget later on, to give a nod to your wonderful sporting career. You're a seasoned rugby supporter and player. A uh, few year highlights. Captain the Prez Brothers College team to victory. Munster Schools Junior Cup win this, winning a senior medal uh, won uh, 1998 Under-19 Rugby World Cup with Ireland uh, and the Students European Cup with UCC in 1999 represented Ireland at Under-19 student and university levels uh, but more importantly uh, you know I read from that is that uh, you say these sporting successes at a young age made you believe that you could achieve anything from that age so pretty, pretty good uh, so that's the uh, that's the sporting uh, resume we'll come back with you Joey after news at 10 and see if we can help somebody in particular thank you very much 
Thank you. Okay, that's uh, Joey Sheehan, head of MyMortgages.ie at 51 South Mall, and we'll join him after News at 10. I'm Lana O'Connor. Red FM News is first for local, national and international news. And you can stay up to date by tuning into our hourly news bulletins or by clicking on redfm.ie. The home of the cash machine in court. Now, the Neil Prenderville Show, Red FM. And lots of interest in our current item. Joey Sheehan rejoins us, uh, head of credit at mymortgages.ie. Thanks for holding on, Joey. And uh, we've got a couple of uh, couple of questions by text for you before we go to our specific case that you might be able to help live. Hi, Mick. Uh, if possible, can you ask the gentleman speaking if you could combine the help to buy scheme along with a site in your own ownership towards the deposit for a mortgage we're looking to build but want to figure out how we can work towards our deposit. In other words, uh, what does a lender look for in terms of savings if you've both of the above to bring uh, to the table? So that's, uh, they want to combine the help to buy scheme along with a site in your own ownership towards the deposit for a mortgage. Any any chance of that? Yeah, so let's say if in, in a lot of cases people would have received the site as, as an inheritance or a gift from family. So let's just say that's, the example here that they've got a site worth, we'll say, forty or fifty thousand, um, and let's say the build cost to build the houses, we'll just say three hundred thousand. That would mean the total outlay would be three hundred plus, we'll say, fifty. That's three hundred and fifty thousand of uh, a total outlay. So once they're borrowing seventy percent of that amount, which would be roughly two hundred and forty-five thousand euro. Uh, they can claim the help to buy scheme up to €30,000. So yes is the answer. In terms of deposit, if they have the site gifted and there's no loan on it, technically they could borrow the full building cost um, because the overall loan to value would be 300000 versus an end value of 350000 which would be roughly 85% or thereabouts um, loan to value. So technically, if you've got equity in the site, that would count as savings and you actually don't need savings. Well, that'll be good news for a lot of people. Uh, one of the questions, actually, I had intended to ask Minister McGrath tomorrow, if he comes on, is will, will there be any softening of the planning regulations? Because lots of people have room to build or for their children to build on their own properties. Uh, and uh, to date, you know, there's been some resistance to that, though many get through. Uh, would that be an option for some people to gift a site, uh, albeit maybe small, on their own property to one of their own children? Yeah, I suppose that'd be great, more flexibility like that. But I suppose that there's things that need to be considered, like, you know, services and, um, you know, biocycle units, that type of thing. So it's not always practical, but yes, any any further accommodation would be more than welcomed, I'm sure. OK, here's one uh, on the compounding thing, and this could work greatly to your benefit. Can you pay your mortgage weekly rather than monthly? I had a friend who did it in Australia, says this texter, and it really shortened their term. Yeah, so um, a lot of people would um, would would ask to do this. Some lenders will facilitate it, some won't. Um, a lot of people would do every two weeks because there's 26 fortnights in the year, so you're actually making an extra payment than if you had 12 monthly payments. So um, it depends on your lender, but what I would say to people is that if you can afford an extra 50 euro, 100 euro, 500 euro, set up an extra payment and just pay it into the mortgage. Um, now, some lenders will want it done you know, once or twice a year in a lump sum. But if you have extra money, just, just throw in a few thousand here and there and um, you'd be surprised how much it would knock off in the long term. Mm-hmm. That's the compounding working uh, to your advantage, but on a downwards scale compared to the total of what you owe. It really, really is powerful. And there are calculators out there, Joey, that can, that can help you on that. If you can lop off 
you know, uh, projections that were over 20 or 25 years. If you can kill off some of those projections, you're really pulling the amount owed down towards zero, aren't you? You are, and, and like, make we all want to get to a stage where we can retire and enjoy life. We'll hopefully enjoy it along the way as well, but to not have to be working a, a full time maybe or not working as hard. And if you're paying a mortgage of, say, 2000 a month, which many people are, if you can get rid of that two, three, four, five years earlier, you know, it, it actually is feasible that you could potentially retire two, three, four, five years earlier, you know. Mm. Long term renter uh, despairing now at ever uh, being able to own a property. And wondering, does Joey see anything coming down the line in that regard? Um, well, there was an example I gave earlier that if that the owner of that property gave notice to that particular tenant, um, there's the, the, the first home scheme could apply in that instance, but that's not going to happen for, for a lot of people. Um, but I'm not sure. I know the government are looking at all sorts of, of, of um, you know, um, incentives for to help people, so I, I can't answer yeah. that one, to be honest. Well, well, I, I suppose, you know, even if the property hasn't been declared or they've been told it's going on the market and they're renting, uh, you know, you could be a little, uh, little ingenious and go and approach the landlord yourself and say, you know something, we qualify for this and this and this. Would you accept market value from us and we'd buy it off you? Well, yeah, as far as, as I, I can see from, from what I've read is that, you know, once you get a notice to quit or a notice to termination, then it applies in that case. And I, I'm sure, um, you know, I suppose ultimately the government is trying to help people buy their homes. So um, however that comes about, you know, I, I'm not sure. But, but yeah, it's worth looking at. Yeah, no, what I was trying to get at was there are some kind-hearted landlords out there uh, you know, if we don't want to put the property on the market, they've had long-term tenants, they get on well with them, they don't miss payments, uh, but might be amenable to an approach from those tenants to take yeah, it off their def- hands. definitely worth exploring, yeah, yeah absolutely. Okay. Uh, Robert is on line one. Hi, Robert. Morning, Nick. Now, do you want me to give you a second name or just call you Robert? I'll just Robert will do you. Okay. <laughs> okay. Uh, detail your particular situation, please, uh, um, to well, we have we have, a, we have a variable mortgage tracker, um, but it's actually an offset mortgage which not a lot of people, maybe the other men there might be explained as well. I don't understand this completely, but it's something to do with interest. Say if you had a deposit account and the money you'd get on the interest would be offset against the interest you're paying in the mortgage. That's my understanding of it. But the problem is, and I said to me before, the last six months our mortgage has gone up about €500 a month. And I'm speaking for probably a lot of people in this country at the moment. We're going to be under pressure if it keeps rising. I was just wondering, is anyone going to do anything about it? Or are we just going to shut up and say nothing? Right, Joey, an offset mortgage. That's a new one on me. Yeah, so an offset mortgage, this is something, I think it was first active, probably, this this person's mortgage originated with, um, offered yep. a, for uh, a, um, the mortgage uh, offset. So what that means is that if you had a mortgage of 200000 and normally if you had a savings account separate with the same bank, we'll just say of 20000 you're paying the full mortgage on 200000 and you're getting maybe interest on the 20000 separately. What the offset means is that it combines the two accounts um, and potentially even your current account. So you would actually owe 180 rather than having owing 200 with 20 in a deposit account. And then the interest that you're paying only applies to the, to the 180. But here's the best part of it is that any time you want, you can go in and take out the 20000 um if you need it. I seem to remember so, that, that scheme, but uh, it's not an offer anymore. I mean, why, why would a bank um, walk away from 20 grand at 4.5% a year to give 
uh, you know, instead of just paying out one percent or less than one percent on the savings. Yeah, well, I suppose it was an incentive to, to get business in, and, and it worked. And we did a lot of mortgages back in the day uh, with, with First Active. I think they later transferred to, to Ulster Bank. And I'm just ask, going to ask your listener where where is the mortgage with now? It's probably gone on somewhere else again. No, no, Which it's bank? Ulster Bank. Ulster Bank. Still Ulster Bank. Okay. And are there any fixed rates available with Ulster Bank? I think they have a seven-year fixed, I think, around um, 3.9 or 4%. Aren't they also we closed? Haven't offered, we haven't been offered any fixed rates. We've, we've been told that we can't fix an off yeah, so, mortgage. So, so as far as I'm aware, if your mortgage is still with Ulster Bank, they still have fixed rates available. So what I do is I'll contact them and ask them what fixed rates are available. I actually had a client last week and they took a seven-year fixed rate with Ulster Bank of 3.95%. So if you're you're currently paying, do you know the margin on your tracker? Um, that off what you're quoting, you know. Yeah, so, so the, the, the tracker rate today is 3.75, assuming a margin for you of, we'll say, um, around 1%. I'm not sure what your margin is. But that that means that today you're probably paying 4.75% today. 4.6 was the... uh, 4.6, Robert put in his communication Yeah, so that's what you're paying today, uh, Robert. So that that will rise. There will be more rises um, this year with the ECB. So that could go up another, you know, it will will increase anyway. So you could be paying up to 5%, maybe even more. So you have an option here now with Ulster Bank, as far as I'm aware, they have a seven-year fixed rate at 3.95. So I would contact them and, and I would look to avail of that uh, because it's going to reduce what you're paying today plus it's going to shelter you for the next seven years in terms of um, any, any further increases. Then if you want to separately, we can look at other lenders for you. Like yep, the yep. three-year fix as low as 3.25%. How, how much is outstanding on the mortgage? Um, I'd rather not say no, but it's less than 200. Yeah, I get the impression you don't have a big mortgage, but that uh, you're worried about it, in, you know, with the constant rises. Yeah. Uh, yeah, would, yeah. would this seven-year security of a fixed rate be appealing to you, Robert? Absolutely. Absolutely, yeah. yeah. I mean, you may yeah, lose in the long run, but it gives you that security of knowing that uh, it ain't going to go up. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you know, we're, we're open to our suggestions, especially if we can maybe put a lump sum into something and clear it down again, you know. Exactly. Well, that's the beauty of, of staying in, the, in this example. And as I say, each borrower, it's a case-by-case example. You know, what, what, what Robert will do and what somebody else will do could be different. The fact that he has an offset mortgage would be a reason to stay with Ulster Bank because if he ever comes into money in the future, he could potentially could clear the whole loan, but he could take it back out again if he needed it. So um, I would be urging this case probably to stay with Ulster Bank and probably consider the seven-year fix at 395 yeah. yeah, as you mentioned, Joey, these things are for personal one-to-one consultations, not for the airwaves. Um, but can, will, will we put uh, the two of you in, in personal touch, Robert? You're okay with that, Joey? Absolutely. Uh, and Robert, would, would, would you mind if, if we monitored in general terms, not not in detail, but in general terms, uh, without giving away your identity or the level of your mortgage or anything? Just we'd just like to know if Joey could be successful for you, and, and you know that you're happy following contacting the program. Absolutely, Nick. You might be sorry. You said good man for me, Nick. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, that's perfect. I, I, I'd appreciate that. And, you know, it's, it's always good to talk about these things, you know, you know? Yeah. Well done. All right, Robert. Thank you very much. We'll, we'll do that. Okay. Do, you, do you mind taking another call, Joey? Yeah, no problem. Okay. Amy's on line four. Hi, Amy. Hi, Mick. How are you doing? Very good. What's your situation? Um, obviously, no, just, just listening there. Um, 
I tried to get a mortgage like five years ago uh, as a single parent and I approached all the banks, uh, including the one that I'd been with all my life. Um, and most of them turned me down and one bank since they offered me like 30,000 euros. <laughs> like, so in 35 years time, I can own my very own car. Um, so they, I ended up going to, the TSB turned me down um, directly and I went to a mortgage broker who actually ended up getting me approved with the TSB. So like just listening to, to people there, you know, that, that are struggling to get a mortgage or banks not approving them, just because the bank isn't uh, approving you directly, don't take it that you cannot get a, a, a mortgage with that bank. You know, it, it could be a case that it's just, um, you know, a very young mortgage broker that's in there that doesn't know, you know, certain things that they can be doing or, you know, extra things to help people get mortgages across the line. Um, mortgage brokers are obviously the, the best place to go. Um, anybody as well should be shopping around at the moment because I switched last year. Uh, luckily, I got a, a very, very good rate. Um, my loan to value, obviously, because the, the value of properties had risen, my loan to value increased significantly. Um, and I was able to get a rate of 1.95%, um, which I fixed for five years. So thankfully, I am in a, a good situation. Well, you're in a great at spot at the moment. Yeah, yeah, very, very, very lucky with the, the timing that I had. Um, but in saying that, like, I was kind of looking at, you know, maybe investing in a property and started looking around at mortgage rates as well. Um, it's definitely worth shopping around at the minute. I think the TSB kind of has um, one of the, the lower rates, around 31 3.2%. Um, some of them then are offering, you know, 2,000 euro cash back, which will help with the, the amount that you'd have to pay the solicitor to, to switch your mortgage. So anybody that is struggling, like pick up the phone and go talk to a mortgage advisor. I would tell people, avoid your own banks because you don't know, you know, the extent of the knowledge of the person you're getting inside there. You don't know if they've just been trained up and put in there two weeks ago. Um, whereas, you know, mortgage brokers, they have to work to get stuff across the line as opposed to somebody in a bank that's, you know. Just- I can just summarily say no. Yeah, exactly, and it it doesn't affect them. Whereas, you know, a lot of mortgage brokers are working off commission, so they will fight for you and they will work hard. What you were saying as well a while ago about, um, you know, people shop around every single um, every single year, even with your electricity, etc. Like I do that religiously. I will shop around. I will remain loyal to nobody. I don't care how good your customer service level is. If you're not, you know, making something affordable for me, I'm not staying with you. Um, so, like recently, I've I've, I've been with um, Electric Ireland um, for my electricity, and I'm I'm out of contract with them. So I've gone into a new contract with them. By me fixing into a new contract with them, I got a hundred euro um, welcome uh, credit and a hundred euro cash back. So my account just by picking up the phone and calling them is now two hundred euro in credit, and I've signed up to get. Um, free electricity on a Saturday. So from 8 a.m. Saturday to 11 p.m. Sunday, my electricity is free. So for the first time in months, my hot tub gets turned on on a Saturday. I'm living the life of luxury <laughs> on a Saturday. I didn't know that was available. Uh, the, yeah, it's either a Saturday or a Sunday is an option with them. Um, so like for large families that have a lot of washing and drying to do, keep it to your Saturday, keep it to your Sunday, whatever day you can, you know, Stay at home. Some people might have activities to do on a Saturday. Then yeah, and are the expense free of cooking a large Sunday dinner or something? Exactly. Or like some people might, um, you know, cook their food for the week and freeze some of it or, or, you know, put it in pots and pans. Then put your free electricity to Saturday. Make it work or Sunday. Make it work in your favour. 
So, um, like, just because you're with a provider and you think, oh, they've got good rates, again, you can sign up. And as I say, just for me picking up the phone, my account is now 200 euro in credit. So, like, that 200 euro will help uh, a lot of families. So, like, don't, don't take anything for granted. Um, I'm with three for my mobile. I've been paying uh, 30 euro a month for the past, I think, 10 years with them picked up the phone, called them, what better package have you got? And they've put me on a package where it's now, um, it, it, it went to 33 euro, but I get a discount. So it's like 21 euro a month for 12 months. Um, but I'm on a month to month contract. So after 12 months, when it does increase, I'm not stuck in a contract. So p- people need to shop around. There is lots and lots of ways that you can be saving money. And, um, you know, and obviously mortgages is, is one big area that people need to look at. Yeah, I think there are much cheaper uh, phone contracts than that out there at the moment. I know that Gomo started off at nine ninety nine. I think they're now fourteen ninety nine. That's yeah, that's limited. Yeah, I actually have a I have a Gomo um, phone in the house as well as a, a spare backup phone just in case that the network ever went down with with my current provider that that I have you know access to the. Yeah, very very important on broadband as well to, to do that those checks every year. You've got a very robust attitude towards saving money, Amy. But uh, listen, give us your address there, and we'll invite everybody round to yours on Saturday. <laughs> To, on Saturday, with, with all I, their I told my provider that. I said, hot tub party on mine every <laughs> Saturday. All right, Amy. Th- thanks a million for that. It does pay to shop around. Uh, all, all right, Joe, right, we'll finish up with that. But let's look at the, the robust attitude that Amy's displaying there. You know, if, if you're failing to get insurance at a reasonable price or at all, uh, I would advise you go to a, a seasoned and trusted uh, insurance broker. Pretty much the same then with your mortgage. Just to flesh out a few things, if if you were to look at changing your mortgage from, say, let's say a three-year fixed rate, your three-year anniversary is coming up, uh, what sort of red tape is involved? What sort of engagement is involved? What sort of cost is involved um, in, in engaging the services of someone like yourself? Yeah, so the documentation you'd require would be photo ID, uh, six months of your bank statements, um, three months pay slips usually, a uh, of income completed by your employer and your last year's employment detail summary, which is basically your, the new name for a P60. So th- there is a bit of paperwork, but, uh, you know, the savings, it, it's worthwhile all day long. Um, in terms of the cost, it's just legal cost to switch. Now, some banks offer an incentive. Some some could be 2000 some could be 5000 and some could be 2% of the mortgage value. So it, it varies depending on which bank we're going to. So so that, that can be covered as well. But nothing like stamp um, duty costs, because you're, you're, you're not uh, reassigning the title deed. You're, you're just reassigning no, no, the, no. the debt on it. Correct, yeah. So so your solicitor would just register the charge with the land registry in favour of rather than Bank A, it will become Bank B. And solicitor's um, charges in general, are they 1% or something? Or is that um, maybe, maybe covered by the bank? Yeah, well, well, it, it, you'd receive a payment from the bank and then you'd negotiate separately the fee with your solicitor, but it, it'd be in that region or, you know, if you shop around, you know. Okay, so who would you advise to contact Joey Sheehan? Uh, the mortgage coach. Anyone in difficulties? Anyone looking for a mortgage? Anyone trying to change down their payments? Anybody who has a mortgage or is thinking about a mortgage or, or, or who, who thinks they, they're hopeless, they think they can't get a mortgage because we can put a plan in place and even if somebody's had bad credit or anything like that or maybe somebody's getting separated, actually something to highlight for separated people um, or, or in the process of separating, they may be estranged from each other but still legally married, we can get mortgages for those people on their own as well and also uh, first-time buyer 
uh, can borrow four times, a second time buyer is 3.5 times. But if somebody is legally separated or divorced, they fall into the first time buyer category, so they can also borrow four times. So no matter your situation, no matter how good or bad or indifferent you think it is, give us a call. We might tell you, look, you need to go away for six months or 12 months, save so much a month, uh, we can do this, put a plan in place, and then ultimately, you know, we, we'll get you where you want to be. Yeah, you, you might say your last six months uh, bank statements are not going to cut it here. But let's let's take this as day one. Come back to me in six months, but do this, and then bring in Correct. the six-month statement. Yeah, exactly. And actually, what you're, the lady Amy mentioned there as well about different banks, you know, maybe one bank approving you. Sometimes people, they might be with, will say, Bank A all of their life, and they walk in looking for a mortgage, and they're declined. And they think, oh, my God, I'm going to be declined with all banks, and they just finish there. Different banks have different policies, um, and you might get very different um, results with different banks. So for one thing, for example, would be variable income. So let's say if I'm earning 40000 and I've got a 10000 commission or bonus, some banks will allow none of that if you've only got it for a couple of years. Some banks will allow a portion of it, and some banks will allow all of it. So in that example, if I'm borrowing four times, some banks would work off 40000 Four times that would be a loan amount of 160000 some banks would allow all of the bonus, even if you've only got it once. So you'd be borrowing four times 50,000, which would be 200,000. So in that example, bank A and bank B, you might get 160 with one bank and 200 with another bank having the exact same information. Mm. Just, just a couple of final texts uh, for you, Joey. We were 300 euro in arrears with KBC. They sold our mortgage to Pepper. We've less than a year left owing 7,000. Our interest rate went from 2.5% to 7.8%, says Pat. L- luckily, not, not a lot owing there. Yeah, well, they're in a very fortunate situation where they've got only a year left, so it'll have a, it's not, you'd prefer to be paying less, but it's, it's, it's going to have a, a, a could, could small they, could impact. Could they get a settlement? I doubt it with that amount, that, such a small amount, I wouldn't think so. Okay. They just try, try and pay it off as quick as you can. But but actually, with certain lenders, um, we are seeing rates as high as 7 and 8%. So those people, again, can switch and, and get rates down 3 4%. Okay, it seems crazy that a bank would sell for 300 in arrears at such a small amount uh, and put people up there by, you know, tripling tripling their percentage. Uh, one final one. People should try and hold tough on their mortgage. In 1995, interest rates went to 16%, if I remember. We locked in at 10% for 10 years. Within a year, interest rates dropped so low that we were paying twice or three times uh, what others were. The bank wanted €35,000 uh, to be able to leave the fixed rate. We didn't pay, but it was awful paying so much more than anyone else for nine years. They're doing the same now, so people be careful. What would you say to that? Yeah, like I suppose that there's, there's a case that if you're paying more interest, if you're strong financially, obviously you want to pay less interest, but you can weather a storm. But not everybody falls into that category. Like, you know, certain listeners, I'm not sure your listener earlier, you know, what they're paying today, they can just about cope with. If it goes further, they could default. So, you know, if you have, if you have, um, if you're very strong, you have the luxury, you can decide, yes, I'll try and write this out, but a lot of people don't have that luxury. So I would say to those people, you know, get in, get a fixed rate, you know, five, seven, ten years, if that's what you want, certainty, and then you know, okay, this is my payment, and that's it. All right. Uh, we've kept you a lot longer than we had intended, so I thank you for the generosity of your time, but there's been huge interest uh, in, in this topic and in the, in the uh, individuals that uh, brought their own cases to you. Uh, so Joey Shane, the mortgage coach, thank you very much. Uh, go on, you might as well give a plug to your book, seeing as you were so generous with your time. 
Oh yeah, <laughs> you can get it all good bookstores. But if anybody uh, wants to get a copy, give us a call at, at my mortgages, and we we can arrange that. All right, perfect. That's Joey Sheehan, the mortgage coach. Thank you very much, Joey. Now, I'm acutely aware that uh, we're not getting, uh, because the show's so busy, around to all of the texts that people take genuine time and concern uh, in texting into us. So I just want to get through some of them now. Uh, Hi, Mick. I'd like to congratulate Jonathan and Amanda Shaw on the birth of their beautiful daughter. Uh, It's spelled J-O-R-J-A. That could be uh, Jorge. Uh, but I think it's pronounced like Georgia. Uh, Georgia, J-O-R-J-A, yesterday at the C-U-M-H. Uh, from big, big Brother Jaden and all their families on potholes. Could you please ask the council why they don't use motorised packers to fix the potholes? Instead, they tap the back of the shovel on it and walk away. I saw it yesterday. It's a disgrace, as Peter and Band and Passage West are having a regatta. Uh, the Passage West regatta starts at uh, 8.30 All boats ready. Looks to me uh, from the poster like it's a rowing regatta. uh, And that will uh, take place next Saturday. Uh, Sorry, next Sunday. Sunday, the 14th of May. On the Eurovision, lots of stuff came through the other day. Uh, Extend the final show by 30, 40 minutes and eliminate the semi-finals. If 10 countries get thrown out, you could fill the other nights with past Eurovision winners' concert nights. Uh, Then that 10 wouldn't feel so bad. Uh, Send Leo and Mihal to Eurovision because they are singing off a different hymn sheet uh, I'm off to get me Chester cake, says Frick. The reason why Ireland will never win Euro- uh, Eurovision again, when Dustin the Turkey was Ireland's entry, we were arrogant, ignorant and disrespectful to the competition and those that ran it. What did they expect would happen? Whose bright idea was it anyway? You reap what you sow. Cheers, says Colm. Now, I know Kevin dealt with uh, Australia yesterday. My daughter has lived in Sydney for over 20 years now. She's never seen so many queues around the blocks for apartment viewings. She thought Ireland had a housing crisis, but it's as bad over there, and the cost of living has increased significantly too. So the grass is not always greener in Oz, says Mary O. Please ask uh, that Australian, can I get a housing allowance, a medical card, welfare payments? Some politicians chastise the Irish people uh, that the Irish travel to all, all corners of the world. Uh, of the world. In other words, uh, do we have to work to live there? Uh, warn people there's a new scam. Please text have been sent saying they're from Electric Ireland and your last payment didn't go through. The link is malware, so don't click on it, says Pat. And uh, that's uh, text. We have another batch of them there. Uh, one says uh, on Eurovision, Johnny Logan gets a little furious when he's referred to as a two-time uh, Eurovision winner. It's three wins, he said, because he wrote the winning song. For Linda Martin, as I did mention, uh, actually, on Tuesday morning. But it's not against the... We're on about gambling here now. It's not against the law for de, uh, them to receive stolen goods. Money from the post office it should be returned. Uh, I wasn't across that subject, so I'll move on to this one. Uh, the FAI Centre of Excellence. Bring back John Delaney. He'll get it done. Uh, did you really believe the FAI would build something in Cork that they don't have in Dublin? Get real lads. If it's not in Dublin, it's not in Ireland, says Pat. Uh, and uh, some great texts on Kevin yesterday just saying that Kevin is doing a super job this morning very interesting says Colette and Balancolic wanted to congratulate Kevin you did a great job sounded so relaxed well done from Michael O'Mahony and in case you don't know Kevin the GEA is our national sport so I don't know what that's about but you're getting a little bit chastised there Uh, but apparently you did a great job Uh, oh look at the time it's nearly 25 to 11 Talk to Neil Prenderville now 0818 Cork's Red FM. And speaking of traffic, just looking at the live feeds from uh, Dunkettle Traffic, everything seems to be moving pretty well, except for coming down on the Dublin Road. Two or three minute delays, it seems there. Uh, but for all that, there is great movement in the um, looking east, uh, the N8 looking towards the city, north of the tunnel, Bloomfield West and Bloomfield East. So just two or three minute delays, it would seem to me anyway. 
uh, just coming down and it's moving now pretty quickly as well down the uh, the Dublin Road towards uh, the tunnel. Now then, we have uh, our phone lines to get back to very quickly and to Column on line one. Uh, good morning to you, Column. Oh, I can't seem to pick up Column there. Let's try the other line. Nope. Uh, perhaps you could release Column and I'll try to pick him up again. Okay, he's there now. Okay. Gremlins in the system. Good morning, Column. Uh, good morning, Mick. How are you? Now, you live in Spain, but you're in France at the moment. Wonders of modern technology listening to us here in Cork. You're in Bordeaux. Yes, in, in, in wine country. Wine great, country. Great yeah. country. Okay. Uh, is, is that something you enjoy? The wine? Um, I, well, I wouldn't say no to it. Like, it's, there's plenty of choice anyway, so, yeah, it, uh, um, I, I do get to taste it from time to time, so that's good, I suppose. Okay, what brings you on with us? Um, well, uh, I suppose we've kind of gone back a few years. I, I, I bought my own house in Spain uh, a few years back, and um, I was offered um, a, a fixed-rate full-term mortgage, which I took. And um, I, well, I had predicted that we would be having a situation like this with interest rates rising and um, wanted to have the, the security of knowing how much I would be paying at the end of my mortgage. So um, in 2037, when my mortgage is finished, I'll be paying 960 euros uh, for my house, which is a four-bedroom house that I bought in Spain. Okay. Um, and I think that uh, uh, Irish people have been sort of getting sold short by the government because uh, the politicians haven't protected the public by being uh, by making sure that banks are able to offer them uh a fixed-rate, full-term mortgage. I I sent on to you there um, I, I ju- uh, a graph. Just, just got it here in me, hot little fish. Uh, and I'm looking at some very stark, and this is a colour graph, which obviously doesn't suit yeah. radio as well as wood TV, but looking at France, uh, to a certain extent Denmark, but most certainly uh, the USA, you're comparing uh, the percentages of mortgages that are long-term fixed. It would seem like 90, 95% of mortgages in the USA are long-term fixed, um, about 65% in France and maybe 40% in Denmark. That would be long-term fixed. That would be the holy grail for mortgage holders here who are suffering in Ireland, wouldn't it? Uh, absolutely. And I suppose the, the question needs to be asked is that why uh, are those products not offered to, to Irish people? Um, I think, again, knowing... Uh, you can go back to the 80s and my parents, whatever, they were paying their mortgages in the 80s where interest rates went to 18 and 20%. And my dad was able to uh, support the family, pay the mortgage, and there was a big family of us uh, on one salary, which was a state salary at the time. And it just goes to show that we've become a lot poorer as a people uh, because of, you know, people think that they're actually richer, but we're a lot worse off now than we were back then. Uh, people are struggling to pay very low interest rates. But the reality of it is is that interest rates could go to 15, they could go to 18, they could go to 20%. And the people who are on uh, variable mortgages, which they were taking out, uh, they didn't understand the risk that they were they were taking. Uh, it seemed cheap at the time. But it's, it's a the risk that paid off. Is, it paid off for many years. Yeah, but the, but the thing is, is that it, it it falls into the you know the banks. Then if you if you renege on your mortgage, the, the the banks are very quick to take your house off you or whatever like that, and it puts people into an awful lot of 
financial issues, uh, anxiety, all this sort of stuff. And you can see by the graph the, the extent of it, not just in Ireland, but in different countries around the world as well, that um, this is not just a, a local issue. Um, so, again, I know that you're talking to Minister McGrath tomorrow. And I'm hoping to. They were very... Yeah, well, the question needs to be asked is that why are they legislating for hate speech laws and they're not legislating for um, mortgages to make sure that banks must give offer people uh, long-term or well, fixed-rate, full-term mortgages um, and to guarantee people, what you call it, that security that, quite frankly, the system is rigged in, in relation to the banks because that's why bank profits are, are going through the roof. Uh, mortgage rates are going up, so the the money that uh, banks are, uh, let's say, making on the mortgages that they've already lent is going up, but the interest rates that they're paying on deposits is still less than a fraction of 1%, um, but you can hear, the, uh, you know, pepper is going 7 8% or whatever, but even so, the the, the mortgages, uh, um, let's say the interest rate on mortgages has, has skyrocketed, but the interest rate on deposits hasn't gone anywhere. That's another question that needs to be asked that nobody seems to be talking yeah, about. We, we need a functioning um, banking system in, in the country to cater for, for, for citizens. Uh, we're seeing banks exit because of lack of profitability, so they would say, uh, or non-viability in the Irish market. In that sense, how could the government impose long-term fixed uh, mortgages on banks who then might be losing money uh, because they're offering it at say 3.9% and uh, the ECB could go to 5%. They're going to be losing money then. Uh, yeah, well look, listen, I'm, uh, I, I, I'm not a banker but the, the reality of, and the fact of the matter is is that in the US 95% of mortgages that are taken out uh, are, are fixed rates full-term mortgages. Yeah, you know where you are, you know where you stand, you you know your job prospects, you you know know, things will probably get easier as you get promoted or, you know, as as the kids leave for college or something. It's it's something you can budget for every month. Exactly, exactly. And and the thing is, is I don't know the answer, what happens in Ireland, what's different, but the reality of it is, is the banks, I'm sure, in Denmark or in France, they need to make a profit as well. Um, So to say that it can't happen in Ireland, I, I, I just don't believe that it's it it it's just let's say a narrative that's that's given to us to make it suit the you know the big corporation at the expense of the normal person who's going out and you know um, it, it, it's just completely rigged as far as I can see in Ireland especially it's it's rigged in in um, you know with with the banks in mind for their profits in line you know we have the the state owns let's say had a big uh, percentage um, share of the banks, the main banks in Ireland after the last after the last crisis, and you know, it it just seems very unfair to to people that they're uh, first of all they're not offered the the, the security of long term rates, and and if you got it, let's say my mortgage I took out, like I said, two point six percent fixed for twenty years, which is the full term of my mortgage, and I took that out in two thousand and seventeen. And now you have people who might have taken their mortgages out, but they're, they took out a tracker mortgage. Um, and now they're they're basically at the, at the mercy of the banks. Um, you know, whereas if in 2017 the rates were, you know, 2% or 2.5% or whatever, they could have got that fixed. People could have seen that. And uh, actually my own my own brother and stuff like that, I did recommend them to... to um, 
to get as, as long-term fixed as he could because this is completely predictable. The, the monetary cycle, like I said, it's a cycle that goes up, it goes down, but interest rates are always going yeah. to rise. I'm pretty good with the figures, Colm. I'm not, a, I'm not an economist, but I just can't get my head around how in massive inflation in mortgage costs is doing anything to, to, to bring down what has been up to now rampant inflation. Now they're talking about price gouging and, and maybe having windfall taxes on the major supermarket chains and concerns uh, to bring down the price of food. Um, but I just can't get my head around how, how inflating mortgage prices and, uh, you know, taking money, uh, disposable income from people's pockets each and every month is, is anything to do with... Maybe you can educate me there. Well... Well, one way of the one way that you can get inflation down is to actually you you need the economy to slow down. So you need to you need to slow down uh, demand, and by taking by taking money out of people's pockets, you you slow down demand on the other stuff that they're, they're that they want to buy their holidays, whatever whatever it is. And that's how the the, the government are and the ECB are trying to deal with. Uh, with inflation, they're trying to take money out of people's pockets. That will slow down demand, and then prices will fall. But I, I, I think uh, as well with uh, um, what's being sold to you now, with butter, with bread, these prices coming down. Prices are still going up; they're just not going up as fast. So there's a difference between uh, in, in uh, well, inflation. It's actually called disinflation. So prices are still rising, but the rates of price rises are going down. Deflation is when prices go down. So when you hear things on the news about the prices going down, you, you, you need to actually understand what's really happening. Um, inflation has been caused by uh, uh, um, an increase in the money supply that has come about by governments, government spending, not just only in Ireland, but in other countries in the Eurozone. You have Greece, you have Italy. Uh, all these companies, uh, all these countries have massive amounts of debt, and they're living well beyond their means. And the only way to keep these countries propped up is to print cash, uh, give them out to these countries, and this is what's causing the inflation. Because you're, yeah, we, we, you're, we were one of those countries. We were one of the pigs. We called pigs, wasn't it? Portugal, Ireland, Greece, and Spain. Yeah, well, what you call it, the Irish debt. Uh, uh, people seem to think that uh, once it goes off the news, that's the problem solved. And, and, and that's where we're at, is that um, Irish debt has actually increased since the, the, the crisis has gone up. So we haven't paid a penny of that money back. But when inflation goes up, that means that the value of the currency goes down. So, you know, when you want to buy an apple, an apple is still... But uh, an apple, but you need more currency units to buy that apple yes. now, and that's what inflation actually is, and that's why uh, prices are increasing is because the value of the euro, the euro currency, is going down, and there's plenty of examples of this has gone on through history, um, but again, you know, there's there's a, a very deliberate uh, attempt, in my opinion, not to educate people about. Uh, monetary things about how money works, about inflation, how monetary supply, about the banking system, yep. the fractional reserve banking <laughs> system, all these things people are kept deliberately in the dark about it. And then when things like what we're discussing now, uh, they come up, people are completely surprised. They don't understand this. Um, but look, myself, I've, I've educated myself over the years. Yeah, I, I don't, um, I don't understand you know, that, that with this fractional easing and, and printing of more currency. Uh, and it seems to be prevalent really in the US, if, if not other countries in the world, 
uh, that essentially, the, you know, the more currency you put into the market, uh, the less buying power each individual unit of currency has. Uh, and, and so, in essence, governments have the freedom to print us into poverty. Yeah, but that's exactly what they're doing because uh, when the currency, um, uh, you know, there's plenty, you know, you can go back to Weimar Germany, which is just 100 years ago, where the, uh, you know, the, the complete currency supply of the Reichsmark was about 150 billion Reichsmarks in 1920. And by 1923, it would have cost you, let's say, a billion Reichsmarks to uh, to buy a cup of coffee. To buy a loaf of bread, um, yeah. You know, I'll, I'll have to move yeah. on, Colm. Interesting chat. What part of Spain did you choose to live in? How do you find it and why? Um, well, I'm I living uh, just outside of Barcelona. Um, yeah, I moved over there for work. And uh, considering what's going on, um, it was the best move I ever made. And, and um, you, you know, I have no regrets about it. And um, I'm sure other people in Ireland now are considering a move to <laughs> sunnier climes. Anyway. Sunnier climes. But, uh, yeah, sunnier climes. But honestly, um, you know, considering all the other stuff that's going on uh, in Ireland with the health, transport, um, all sorts of things, it's it's so much better run country. Um, you know, I I pay quite a lot of tax or whatever like that, but I don't have a problem paying it there because you actually get value for Sure. Uh, yeah, okay. You get value for your taxes. Sure. Anyway, okay. Nice to see you anyway, yeah. Thank, thank you, Colm. Uh, cheers. Bye-bye. Uh, just before we Bye-bye. go to a commercial, commercial break, uh, Minister McGrath, Michael McGrath has welcomed the ruling ordering Pepper Finance to lower mortgage rates for a borrower in insolvency. Uh, uh, Pepper Finance was forced to give a lower mortgage rate to a borrower. It is one of the topics I hope to speak to him about tomorrow, his time allowing. Uh, he has been uh, invited on board and trying to uh, move his schedule around to give us... Uh, Maybe 15 or 20 minutes, which hopefully will happen tomorrow. This is the Neil Prenderville Show. Text and WhatsApp 086-8104-106. Cork's Red FM. And at 6 minutes to 11 o'clock, uh, we've had many uh, texts and requests for the contact details of uh, our main two contributors, the... Uh, the longer interviews, not the individual ones, but Joey Sheehan uh, of MyMortgages.ie. You can get on uh, either that, MyMortgages.ie, get some details there, or 0214277037. Uh, that's 0214277037. Alan McGee is at alanmcgee.ie, A-L-A-N-M-C-G-E-E dot I-E, or in Middleton. Uh, you'll get them on this phone number, 0214633585. 0214633585. And I realise it's not a, a topic that will engage every single listener this morning, but it is hitting a chord. People are looking for advice. People are feeling a little pressured. And uh, we have uh, one final caller to wrap up this hour, and that's Shane on line three. Morning, Shane. Morning, Mick. How are you? Good. Now, your wife and yourself are just coming to the end of a three-year fixed rate. Yeah, that's correct. And basically, with our three-year fixed rate is up now, we got our letter in and our mortgage repayments now are going up by nearly €500 Euro a month. So you you would be one of those who are right in the zone then to contact either uh, Joey or Alan and get oh, some advice? God, yeah, yeah. With, the, like, with that increase, like that's an awful lot. That we weren't expecting nothing near that when we were going to come out of our fixed rate. How much is €500 Euros in relation to what you're paying already as a percentage? Oh, about 40% more. Oh, yeah, because we didn't, like, at the start, when we took out our mortgage, we didn't take an awful lot. We had, we were lucky enough to have a big lump sum draw deposit towards it and stuff. So, 
We yeah. haven't had low enough mortgage repayments, but now it's gone up, obviously. Yeah, but you, you can accept the 500 as an increase in a new fixed rate, or are you jumping onto the variable rate? Um, onto the variable rate. Okay. So may, maybe what would be the right thing to do is to contact either Joey or Alan and say, okay, we're coming to the end of this fixed rate. Can you negotiate us a new one? You may not save the full 500, but if you save oh, 350 or 400, wouldn't it be something? Oh, it'd be something, anything. Yeah. We need everything. Is that something you'll consider doing? Oh, definitely, 100%. What, what? I'd have to, like, because 500 a month is an awful lot. That's a lot of money. What, what, extra, like. what, why did you go fixed in the, in the first place when everybody around you three years ago was saying, no, 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 stay on the tracker, much cheaper? Um, we just said, you know, it was going to be our first time paying a mortgage and stuff like that. We just said we get fixed just to be get settled in, getting used to the mortgage repayments and stuff like that, get into the habit of it all and... So yeah. that's why we kind of went with it. Of course, with the proliferation of increases, and there's more to come according to uh, Christine Lagarde and uh, Ursula von der Leyen, um, it shows the fixed and the variable rates are both going up, so there's no real escape. You're probably no, going to end up paying no. a little more, but let's see if uh, either a Joey Sheehan or Ellen McGee can negotiate that down for you. Oh, yeah. All right. Uh, thanks, thanks a million, Shane. Listen, you, you might come back to us if you've had some success. Uh, oh, yeah, uh, will, uh, and see what that 500 can be reduced to I think you will be paying something extra uh, but those are the straightened times we live in but if you could get it down yeah. to if you could get it down to 200 a month or 150 it would be it might it, you know it's a little more bearable isn't it oh m- much more bearable alright thanks a million I'll have a make thanks Thank you very much. bye bye Joey Sheehan once again my mortgage is dot ie 0214277037 and Alan McGee is at Alan McGee dot ie on 0214633 585. Uh, this is the Neil Prendival Show with Mick Mulcahy and uh, with the time approaching 11 o'clock, news next. Hey, it's Dave. Join me weekdays from 4 for Dave Max Drive where I'll help get you home or give you a little lift at home. Big hits, loads of fun features and traffic info. What more could you need? Join me weekdays from 4. Dave Max Drive. The Neil Prendival Show. Red FM. And I've got some texts uh, to get to before our next caller uh, on the mortgages thing because it was quite an emotive subject for a lot of people. Uh, there are penalties, apparently, if you pay over 10% extra off the mortgage. That'll need to be checked out. Uh, by careful paying off your mortgage early, some financial institutions will hit you uh, for around 500 to 1,000 per year the earlier you pay off the mortgage, says Patty. Uh, Mick, there's red tape and switching. Well, it's well worth it. I've switched twice uh, there are many people who wouldn't switch their electricity twice in a lifetime. And uh, this texter has switched their mortgage twice. My current mortgage was fixed for three years due to expire at the end of the year. I called Bank of Ireland who would not deal with me until 60 days out of the expiry of the contract. So I don't know where your broker is coming from. Uh, hi Mick, our mortgage was sold to a vulture fund. We have no option uh, of a fixed rate. And now with only one income in the house with no arrears, but when we got the mortgage initially, we were both working. So it's unlikely for any bank to take us, I assume. Is there anything we can do? We'll contact Joey or Alan. Uh, that's, I'll give their details out before the end of the program again. Have a pen and paper ready, though. Uh, we constantly, I missed that, I didn't have a pen. Please get one ready, it'll call one out before the end of the show. Uh, that's crazy. We got a mortgage last year for four years at 1.9. Lucky, lucky you. Hi, can you please ask, if you take out a mortgage, do you need to keep your savings in your account? I would imagine you'll be using them for the mortgage. Uh, I went through a mortgage broker myself. Uh, there are many free mortgage broker options in Cork, which I hope people are aware of, as there are enough charges when it comes to buying a house. At the end of the day, these brokers are paid by the bank. Uh, they receive a percentage payment from the bank for bringing in the custom. I make people should be very careful when getting cash back when switching, even though the interest rate might be the same as another bank. The APR, or the uh, annual rate, is higher. Uh, in other words, there is less coming off your capital. 
Uh, and that's what you really want to be moving. Uh, you want to be bringing uh, your capital uh, down. Okay, the, the capital you owe down. Let's go to line two. Tom O'Connell's been waiting there. Thank you, Tom. Hello. No, you want about the fire service in Ballincollig? Yes. And you're saying we need to um, keep it? No, we, we, we need to get it up fully operational. All right. Uh, and, fully, and fully manned. Right. 24 hours a day, seven days a week. Uh, in, in in line with that, there's a protest at, uh, in Ballincollig tomorrow, but you have a particular story. Uh, you saw three units of the fire brigade pass and a rapid response oh. unit. Tell us about that. Last, um, I, I, so last Saturday, I was just after coming through Victoria Cross onto the straight road when a fire tender, three fully crewed fire engines and a medical response, I, I presume, first, um, you know, um, a medical support vehicle passed me. And as it turns out, there was a crash outside in Ballincollig, actually directly across from the entrance of my own place on the main street and uh, Link Road Junction. And do you know where these, these first Junction. responders were coming from, Tom? Well, they were, they were in line with the, they were in line with the, the fire engines and the fire tender. I don't know where they're based or where they come from. I just saw this med- It could have been anything, but there mightn't be first responders, but it was a medical support vehicle anywhere. Okay. Um, ambulance type, small um, vehicle, you know. Okay. But anyway, like the upshot of the story is like that. That was three fully crewed fire engines out to what turned out to be a two car collision. How bad was the collision? Uh, pardon? How bad well, was I'd the collision? Imagine, uh, 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 it, it was bad enough as far as uh, damage to cars was concerned. I didn't see an ambulance on the scene because I came on it, obviously, when I was going to my home. Um, I didn't see an ambulance on the scene. I didn't see that any um, cutting equipment had been used. So it was okay. a crash. Right? It was a crash. I don't know how many people were involved in in the age of vehicle. But, but the if, if, if Balancholic had been open, I think what you're saying is if Balancholic uh, Fire Station had been open, I'll get to that in a moment, um, there was obviously no need for all those units. That could have been assessed locally uh, and those very important staffed units could have been uh, available for other accidents or fires. Well, Mick, this happened, this happened, this happened literally 300 metres, 400 metres away from the fire station. You know, the fire station is on, the, is on what we call the Link Road. It's a Leo Murphy Road. It's what we call the Link Road. Okay. It's, it's between the south of the Link Road and then the O'Shea's. It's 400 metres tops away from where this accident took place. Now, the rest of the city was put in there. Into, I don't know how many vehicles they have over Manglesey Street. I don't know how many crews they have over there. But I'm sure that three fully crewed vehicles is a big chunk of what they have had standing by that day. Yeah, for, for other events. And that were taken out, yeah. Now, another side of it is that nobody seems to seems to have taken into consideration. God forbid it, but if there was a fire on the needle or both vehicles and people were trapped in it, 
It takes, it takes at least 15 minutes for these 500 to get from Anglesey straight out to Alan Colley. You could have been looking at it a loss of life there. Yep. So if the station was no. manned and open, it's news to me that it's closed, but I'll get to that in a moment. Uh, they could have seen it themselves and not had to send three units uh, from a, a remote location, as it were, t- to the accident. Uh, all's well that ended well, I, I, I think. Uh, the, the people involved in the accident were in any case standing on the side of the road, uh, notwithstanding well, they may have had some injuries I, I, and needed I, I, attention. I saw people standing on the side of the road, but I was invited by both cars, but I, but I wasn't sure whether they were involved in it or not. Like, kind of, you know. But another thing is, Another thing is there is that you have these these towns involved in local government who never raised a voice a voice against the total legislation. They never done anything because they want to do anything controversial. They're quite happy to take their twenty four K a year plus expenses and come up with something come up with something like Let's call a footbridge the Bogman Bridge because that won't create any controversy, but it could be a popular subject. Yeah, Ballancolic you know, part of the city now, isn't it? It's part of the city, yeah. yeah. Well, it doesn't matter because if, look, it's all the same circus, whether it's city council, uh, city council or county council, it's all the same circus, but all the same clowns on it. Yeah, you know? all right, let, let's... Let me talk to William Crowley here from the Cork City Fire Union. Uh, he's the Cork City uh, Fire Union rep. Tom, th- thanks for that and for highlighting it. And let's find out more ab- about the Balancholic uh, Fire Station situation. Uh, good morning, William Crowley. Thanks for coming on. Hi, thanks very much for having me. Now, I know there's a protest in Balancholic tomorrow night to keep the service uh, in the village. Uh, it's a big, big village now. Um, uh, so uh, City Hall have also commented that they've, they've plans uh, to be announced so, uh, what's your situation on it? News to me, it was closed. But is it a staff? Is it a staff recruiting a retention issue there? Yeah, essentially that w- that sort of comes down to. Um, Ballincollig will say was absorbed into Cork City when Cork City expanded back in 2019, and when it was absorbed, the, the station came with it. Um, so it's part of Cork City now, and that station would have historically been a retained station. So a, a ret- retained firefighters, your your listeners may be familiar with them, would say in smaller towns around the country, um, they would say they work other jobs, they carry a pager, and when their pager goes off, they go to the fire station. Very like the lifeboats. Exactly like the lifeboats or the Coast Guard. Exactly the same thing. So that's suitable in a small uh, rural town. It isn't suitable in, in the, the, the second city of the country. So what happened is we periodically run recruitment campaigns for firefighters, full-time firefighters in the city, and the uh, guys who were out in Ballincollig as retained firefighters applied for and got full-time jobs with Cork City Fire Brigade. And so essentially then there were no more retained firefighters to crew Ballincollig. So uh, we put a crew out there on a full-time basis, uh, and that ran for uh, months out there, and then uh, the council pulled it. Essentially, they said it was a, a cost issue. No, we we look at costs differently. Obviously, we look at in lives lost and uh, people's houses burned to the ground. That to us is a cost. Whereas the council were looking at it purely from a financial point of view, because if somebody dies or somebody's house burns to the ground, it doesn't essentially cost the local authority anything. But providing a firefighter to save that person or stop their house burning down does cost. So we look at it from from opposite sides of the equation. So 
essentially it's been closed since November 2021. They've been trying to recruit retained firefighters since October of 2020, but over the last two and a half years, that has proved an impossibility. And it's kind of obvious why, because like a retained firefighter gets paid between eight and a half thousand and twelve thousand, and to buy a house in Ballincollig would cost you two hundred and forty thousand. To rent a house in Ballincollig, or even to rent a room there, either look there on Daft, you can rent the only a the cheapest available rent is a room in Ballincollig at two hundred and eighty quid a week, which is fourteen grand a year. How close so do you have to be to to Ballincollig to be a, you a have member of the fire service? You have to be within three kilometres of the station and you have to be able to make the station in less than five minutes. Okay, but then let, let's, let's look at the overarching question here. How can, I'm not sure is Ballincollig or Carrigaline more populated now, but it must be one of the largest developed suburbs of Cork City now. Uh, how, how can such, you know, such a level of housing and infrastructure and population not, not be served by a full-time station? What's the red tape here? Um, there isn't essentially any red tape. The red tape would, would support our argument if you look at the National Development Plan, the major emergency plan and legislation around the provision of, of uh, emergency services by local authorities. Our feeling is that the legislation supports us, that there must be appropriate fire cover in place, but it isn't in place. So, like, essentially what we're saying is we have the staff employed, full-time staff, utilise those staff to, to reopen Ballancolic Station. Okay, brilliant support staff here for the honour presenter all the time. Ballancolic is bigger than Carrigaline by approximately 3,000. So 18,500 roughly in uh, Ballancolic, 15,500 people in Carrigaline. Does Carrigaline have a full-time fire service? No, Carrigaline would have a retained fire service um, and have had for, for, for decades. Okay, retained isn't full-time, is it? No, so generally retained... They'd have other jobs. They might be working with, say, in a mechanics or a, a butcher's or a bank um, or bakers. And when their pager goes off, essentially they leave their main place of employment, make their way to the station and deal with the call. And the problem then you have in, in the likes of Ballincollig is people living there. It's a, a dormitory suburb of, of Cork City. People living there are working for multinationals. They have good jobs. Um you're not going to get, if you're working for a major multinational, you're not going to be able to turn around to your manager or your boss and say, look, I'm, I'm thinking about joining the retained fire service and if a call comes in, I'll have to go. I might be 10 minutes, I might be 10 hours. It could be a couple of days before I'm back. Yeah, but because every no, multinational has their, um, what is it, the CSR, their Corporate and Social Responsibility Index. So if they're not allowing any uh, any members of staff to provide this vital service, then that index would be low. And they're measuring that on all sorts of uh, uh, ecological and, and green measures right now. Absolutely. And if if you were in a position where there were any multinationals within, we'll say, three kilometres or five minutes of Ballincollig Fire Station, that would be ideal. Like if you had, a, we'll say, a major pharmaceutical plant within three kilometres of the fire station and employees of that plant also lived within three kilometres of the station and were able to get to the station within five minutes, that would be an ideal scenario. But unfortunately, that isn't the case in Ballincollig. Okay. So if life and limb has been threatened, if housing is going to burn to the ground, the people of Ballincollig are right now depending on dispatch from Cork City Centre. Yes. Carrigaline also. 
Uh, no, because it's part of Cork City, it would come within the remit of Cork City Fire Brigade. So, so wouldn't the Ballon re- be the same then? Oh, absolutely, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Okay. So, apparently, <clears throat> in 2021, uh, the City Fire crew went from four pumps down to three pumps, three full-time pumps and one part-time pump. Uh, they're threatening to reduce the critical limit in he- headquarters from 14 to 11. That's staff, I imagine. And they want to reduce the numbers in the back of appliances from four to three firefighters to cover Balancholic. This, uh, to the people living there, is surely not acceptable. Absolutely. And it was put to us as, at the time as a, a measure that we'd be able to keep Balancholic open on a cost-neutral basis. But the problem was we were robbing Peter to pay Paul. So we were taking people from the other stations to staff and crew a, a fire truck out in Balancholic. So everything suffered then. So it wasn't Balancholic without a pump. It was the entire city without fully crude pumps. And our fear is that the council are going to come back with a similar suggestion now where we rob Peter to pay Paul. Yeah, yeah but uh, re- reducing the, the numbers in the back of the appliances from four to three is all very good at the stroke of a pen or for a cost-cutting accounting exercise. But surely members then would be concerned that their, you know, the reduced numbers from four down to three would impact their own personal safety at, at a critical fire event? Absolutely. Two things straight away spring to mind. If if we put two firefighters into a house in breeding apparatus, we need to have two firefighters outside the house to rescue ready to them. go and rescue them. And if you need to put up a ladder, you need four people a ladder. Okay, so, so that good luck make to you sense if you're upstairs and good luck to you if you have to go into a house in breeding apparatus. Okay. Yeah, it's, 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 it's like having a, a one-person operated um, ferry ship or something. If one person is driving the ship, who's going to rescue anyone that falls over the side? Exactly. Okay, so where do we go from here? Yeah, you're you're a union rep. Uh, What are you calling for? What we're saying basically is Cork City Council has said to us, we'll say um, that they have proposals to reopen Balancholic, we'll say through back channels, but what they're saying publicly is that a a crew in Balancholic is an over-provision of fire cover and that covering Balancholic from Anglesey Street is the optimal approach and that they're they're ploughing on with this retained recruitment campaign which over the last two and a half years hasn't proved successful. So that's the public side of it. And then privately, what we're being told is that they do want to open Balancholic. So what we're saying is very, very clear. If they have proposals to open Balancholic, they get those proposals to us. We'll have a look at them. If they're meaningful proposals, we'll sit down in the WRC or anywhere else and discuss those proposals because we want to resolve this. It's dragging on now over three weeks. There's a big demonstration out in Balancholic tomorrow. And again, that's a community-led a grassroots demonstration. We didn't organise it or, or, or start it. And we'll say you've all the councillors within Cork City Council are calling on Balancholic to be reopened immediately with full-time crewing. So everybody is saying we need to do this and we need the council to come out with their proposals on how they intend doing it. Okay. So uh, last week a SIP2 spokesperson, not sure if that's you, uh, said the union was ready, willing and able to engage. Yeah, and and we're still the same. We want to end this. This is a dispute which should never have started. No, it has started. It needs to finish as soon as possible. And the way we finish this is by reopening Balancholic Fire Station. Okay, lest somebody die in the meantime. 
well that's our fear like it was said in the in the council chamber the other night on Monday night that Cork City and this is by a councillor the Cork City Council are getting away with murder and that's that's the case of it what's going to happen here is somebody's going to be seriously injured or die and we don't want to see that because we're the ones who will carry that not a, a an accountant or a senior a civil servant in Cork City Council. It's where the people who will arrive on scene too late to help. Okay, so optimum fire cover at the moment is deemed to be available uh, to Ballancolic from either Ballyvalan or Anglesey Street. Uh, and it takes, uh, I'm reading here, about 13 minutes to get there under blues and twos. So that's uh, light traffic, I suppose, traffic getting out of your way and cooperating, uh, full sirens and flashing blue lights about 13 minutes. I, I wonder if anyone's arse was on fire from the, uh, uh, from, the, from the council concerned. Would they hang on the 13 minutes that they're asking people in Ballancolic to hang on? Well, it's a long time. Like we've, we've had situations where people have rung in to say, look, there's smoke coming from a fuse board or uh, similar situations like that. And by the time we've got crews out there, it's a fully developed fire. And you look at modern construction methods. There was a, a terrace of hoses up the country literally a, a full terrace of houses burnt to the ground in less than 20 minutes. So you're talking about the the potential for massive and catastrophic outcomes. Okay, so whatever about the red tape and bureaucracy, uh, is it fair to say the people of Ballancolic and even the people of Carrigaline deserve their own dedicated rapid response unit in the event of fire? Absolutely. The, the Ballancolic station needs to be reopened and we have the staff to do it. It isn't the case that we'd have to hire a load of new staff to do it. We currently have staffing resources within Cork City in, in within the brigade to, to man Ballancolic. As though I explained it recently, it'd be like if you had a, a, a 15 man football team, you don't only have 15 players, you've 20 or 25 players on your panel. So if the county board or somebody came down and said, look, for the rest of the season, everybody's going to play with 18 players, you don't have to go in and find three new people and train them how to play. You already have those players on your panel. We have those firefighters available to crew Balancolic, and all we're asking is for the council to do it. Okay, and it's in their remit to do it, is it? Absolutely, yeah. So there's public demonstration to show support for Cork City Fire Brigade and to demand the reopening of Ballancolic Fire Station as planned for half past six tomorrow evening on Ballancolic's Link Road. Expecting a good turnout? We're, we're very hopeful, yeah, we'll have a good turnout. Um, I know that uh, it's getting a lot of support out in Ballancolic. I know that the schools out in Ballancolic have been in contact with the, the parents, the students out there, making them aware of it because my, my niece, Emma McElwain, is a student in Cloyce to call them one of the biggest schools out in Ballancolic. And their principal, Miss Sliney, sent out um, a, an email to all the parents informing them of the the demonstration and I think it's a good way for, for we'll say for younger people in the community to become aware of we'll say community spirit and supporting uh, the, the things that are important it's good for local democracy as well for, for people to come out and, and make their voices heard. Okay but you're asking for some joined up thinking and some realisation that lives are being put at risk and well, we wish that demonstration every success 6.30pm tomorrow night on Ball and Colleagues uh, Link Road. William Crowley, Cork City U, uh, Fire Union Rep Thank you very much for highlighting the situation for us. Thank, Thank you. you. 11.30 now. Talk to Neil Prenderville now. 0818-104-106. Cork's Red FM. 27 minutes to midday. Good morning from the Neil Prenderville Show. I love a text like this. Google Maps needs a good kick up the backside. 
Let's go to Richie Hodges in line two. Morning, Richie. Morning, how are you? Very good. Yeah, you're irked a little by Google Maps, are you? Where do they send you? Wrong place, right place, wrong way? Uh, well, you know, yeah, see, you know, what it is is Google Maps have been driving around the country a few years back and uh, taking pictures of roads and then putting them up on uh, their GPS system and sending people down boreens that aren't capable to be driven down. Okay, so uh, another Google Maps nightmare uh, happened recently. Um, you're, you're reckoning it's a couple of months by now? Can you detail any of them? Oh, yeah. Well, there was last year there was a German camper van went down there and it got all the way down to, to a, a bridge that there's no way he could, get, he could get round or over. And by the time he was towed back up to the road, he'd burnt his clutch out and I'd say he had a bill of well over a thousand euros. Okay. What area of the country or the county are we looking at in particular? We're in the best part of West Cork, Alahees, on the end of the Barrow Peninsula. You couldn't go much further west. No, no, no. Next stop, America. Well, you could. Lanamore is, west, is more west, isn't it? Oh, it's more, yeah, a little southwest. Let's say southwest. southwest. Furthest place from Dublin in, in the country. All right. Uh, and, of course, if, you, if people don't know where Alahees is, it's quite a distance from uh, even further west than Castletown Bear, which is in itself... Probably the distance uh, Castletown Bear to Cork is the same as Cork to Dublin. Yeah, well, actually, if I'm going to Dublin, when I get to Cork, I'm halfway to Dublin. Wow, that's, <laughs> that's a sobering thought. It's hard enough for people to drive to Dublin, even with the good roads that we have now. Uh, yeah, so, yeah, oh, well, it's a big county. So what's, what's the problem with Google Maps? Is that, is that they're, they're rating roads to be uh, of a wider structure than they actually are? Or just using their, think- their digital maps to... To calculate the best yeah. route, the best route for time, but maybe not for road suitability. I think the buzzword these days is AI. They're using artificial intelligence to work out routes that aren't viable, and they're not accepting people telling them that they're not viable. Like I told them a year ago that that track was no good, and they're still sending people down it. But funny enough, Neil, I had a message last night on email saying that they had now accepted my. Uh, change of uh, route that they shouldn't be sending people down there. Let's see how long it takes before I actually stop sending people down there. That could be another few weeks. Okay, so we've no idea how many people are disenfranchised by this and how many people are complaining or how many people put up uh, pictures. I saw some pictures on social media uh, of a van being stuck at a bridge you couldn't get over. That's the place, yeah. There are other, there are, there are at least four or five different routes around here that Google use that you cannot do without a four-wheel drive Jeep or maybe even a quad just not possible. Coast Guard got called out last year when a, a Euro, uh, European mainland couple with a hired car decided to drive over a mountain and got stuck in the bog just because Google Maps told them to go that way. But wouldn't, a bit wouldn't, of common sense. Wouldn't the simplest solution be a sign to say this road is not suitable for wide vehicles or something rather than towing a guy out and burning out his clutch? Absolutely, but then you can't put the pressure on Cork County Council. They're not sending people down the road. It's obviously a boreen. It's not. It's not tarmac. It's gravel. So it would be nice if the council put some signs up. But I don't think it's their fault. So what, what's the best way to get to Alahees proper then from Castletown Bear? Is it is from, it to stay on the southern route by Carmor? Yes, I stay on the southern southern route by Carmor and follow the road signs and don't even use your GPS. Wouldn't that be a novel way of getting here? Okay, one one of the more popular GPS systems out there at the moment. You know, you know the way you could buy them before, uh, and you'd put them up in the dashboard of your car. And it's a a TomTom yeah, or yeah. whatever. Uh, but Tom, of course, Tom, in, yeah. but of course, as they say, there's an app for that. Uh, one of the popular ones, and I believe it's Israeli. I had some criticism for mentioning it before. You're you're promoting an Israeli product. So what? It works. Uh, is Waze W A Z E? Yeah, do you know what? I don't. I 
I don't use GPS outside, uh, inside the country of Ireland because I don't need it. If I'm in France last year, for example, in my van, I was taking a route somewhere and it's then when it turned into a gravel track and I kept going and I kept looking out for where I can turn around and come back. And as soon as that didn't happen anymore, I got out the van and walked up the track to see if I could make it. That just seemed like a sensible thing to do. Okay, you, you did get a response. Thank you for your report near R575. Your suggestion is being reviewed. Thanks for sharing your knowledge. We'll let you know once changes are published. Let me read you your initial contact with them. I informed you almost a year ago that this is not a road. You were creating problems weekly with vans and cars getting stuck on this track. Uh, you have a responsibility to remove it from your routing. Uh, why did you not take notice 11 months ago when I told you before? Hence, Google needs a good kick up the backside. Yeah, because they do it all with box. It's all done uh, with artificial intelligence, the buzzword at the moment, which has been around for about a decade now. Okay, so so here's here's a multi-billion euro enterprise that you would expect people who, who are driving cars, vans, jeeps, bikes, whatever, could absolutely trust, but they're sending people especially in your, let's, shall we say, more rural, rugged, less populated areas where they may yeah. not have put in the research to, to verify that the roads are okay? Uh, zero research, and yeah, apart from driving around with a big camera on top of the car. Um, yeah, but, yeah. But the, the, this must have added up now to thousands of euros of damage to vans and cars and their bodywork, not to mention clutches. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. Okay. Uh, all right, listen, th- thanks for bringing it to our attention. Just be careful. If you're going to Alahy's, stay on the southern route. Uh, even if stay you're on cheap, the road, just stay, stay on the road. Yeah, it's a, yeah. that's a simple way to get there. It's the R five seven two, isn't it? Yeah, that's the road you should stay on. <laughs> yeah, the proper road. Yeah, is it? It's, it goes out through Drum Cross, doesn't it? Uh, Drum Cross. Now you've lost me there. I'm not familiar with Drum Cross. Uh, I, I think it goes out of town through Dunboy, uh, Upgower, into um, Dogs and Bearer, past the Buddhist Centre. There's lots of different townlands around, so. Okay, uh, that's that's not a West Cork accent. Uh, how long are you down no, there? Well, where, where are you yeah, from? I'm here. Uh, well, I'm I'm from Ellie's. My parents, my grandparents came over here with the mines two hundred years ago. I just happened to grow up in England. That's all. Okay, so you like it there? Is it still oh, yeah. uh, still as colourful the main street as it used to be? Absolutely no. I'd say it's probably the nicest village in the country to spend a few summer evenings without people wearing life jackets to the pub kind of things. That kind of buzz, you know? <laughs> yeah, I'm looking at the pictures of the vans now and uh, you, you wouldn't fit a ve- the smallest of cars across that bridge. Uh, the, van being, the van being pulled out by a tractor. Um, yeah, silly stuff altogether. T- thanks Absolutely. for bringing it to our attention. Just no worries. C- care is needed. And, uh, and, and just you, use your GPS with care. Common sense often. Yeah, should common prevail. sense prevails. Yeah. All right. right. Okay. Thanks a million. Yep. Cheers. Bye. Che- cheers, Richie. Bye. It's 20 to 12 Bye. now. The Neil Brenderville Show on Cork's Red FM. Our phone lines remain open after midday 0818 104 106. And a huge amount of text came in uh, after my interview with uh, Father Sean Sheehy on Tuesday. I wasn't here yesterday to look after them, so I want to give those people the respect to getting their texts called out. Uh, excuse the pun, but for Christ's sake, end the conversation with that religious fanatic. I'm sick of listening to this tripe. He's bringing the quality of your show down to his level. Uh, second texter said, thanks be to Jesus, he declined to come back on after 11. Uh, another says, is he calling our courts liars? How many priests were convicted of sexually assaulting people and put to prison? Uh, just to add, when the Roman Catholic Church did all these wrongs in Ireland and in the world throughout the centuries, it was man who sinned. These priests and popes are only human. 
Uh, they may have said uh, they may have said they did these awful things in God's name, but open any Christian Bible and show me where it says the Roman Catholic Church uh, what it did is right, and then I'll become a Catholic. Remember, remember one thing: there is a saying created by man, but because of a passage in the Bible when Jesus was asked what is truth, today we say there's your truth, uh, there's the other person's truth, uh, and there's the truth. Okay, uh, the truth is the only yeah. There's three truths you're saying, but the truth is the only one that matters. Uh, another text just says uh, the reason why Jews rejected Jesus is because he never liberated Israel from the Roman Empire. Uh, they believe their own Messiah is yet to come. Uh, Mick, you're talking about the birds and the bees. When I was small, I went out and got stung, and I thought I was pregnant. Uh, this priest, by what he's saying about the Magdalene laundries, is denying what happened. He's almost akin to being a Holocaust denier. It's almost uh, absolutely disgusting and does no favours to the Catholic Church. There are pages of these. I'll give you a flavour of, of uh, what's there. Uh, Father Sean wasn't talking about what his parents handed down, but what the Bible says. I'm a born-again Christian who attends a Bible-teaching church. As flawed as I think the Catholic Church is uh, that they don't teach the Bible properly, Father Sean is brave enough to say what the Bible actually teaches. I'd love to show Joanne exactly where it says there shall not be gay in the Bible. Man shall not lie with man. Uh, Many people who call themselves Roman Catholic have never even opened the Bible. When Joanne opens her Bible, she realizes everything that the priest says is 100% from the Bible. Mika just said yourself, uh, you agree with a few of the Ten Commandments, uh, yet you say the Bible is outdated. So you're a pick-and-choose Christian. Uh, you, decided, uh, you decided what is right in your own mind and not from the Bible. The reason people gave up their kids was because of priests and nuns. I make pregnancy outside of marriage and bygone days had a lot more to do with property rights than it had to do with the Catholic Church. And I'll give you one more. The Ten Commandments are set in stone and Father Sheehy is doing his job and he has the right to be angry. The problem today is that most priests are teaching through uh, Catholicism. Uh, that should have been read. Uh, that should have read. Most priests are not doing their job. Man will not lie with mankind. Passage in the Bible. Father, she he is correct. Like I said to Neil last week and Mick yesterday, it is a vicious, evil agenda. And if people can't see it, uh, they are in serious trouble. Uh, says Maureen in uh, Clonakilty. Um, what I was trying to get across to Father Sean is just my contention uh, that the Catholic Church, as an organisation, uh, with its wealth and property. Uh, and its message and its failings uh, over the last century or so has done in a measure of good, uh, in fact, a lot of good here in Ireland, schools and hospitals and all that. And, and that, of course, we admit. But as a conduit uh, of the message of the gentle Galilean carpenters, which is what I said, uh, it hasn't done the best job and to a certain extent needs to move with the times or become completely irrelevant. Uh, so let's move on to a different topic now, the subject of drank. Uh, and Andrew is on line one. Morning, Andrew. Morning, Nick. How are you? Very good. Now, yourself and your uh, lady wife uh, came home all the way from Australia with a business idea in mind that you had uh, seen working very effectively uh, in Australia. Tell us how all that happened. Uh, that's true, yeah. From our own personal experience, um, we actually had friends over for lunch uh, one Saturday afternoon uh, and we ran out of wine and we were thinking... We can't jump into the car and go down to the local off license because we've already had a couple of glasses. So, um, yeah, we needed to get some alcohol delivered to the house and to top up the guests. Uh, and there was a similar kind of a, a job, uh, um, business being run over there. And um, when we returned from overseas, uh, I saw a gap in the market here and I thought this would be great just to be able to kind of have that service locally. And, um, you know, first of all, I suppose support local businesses, bring your off-licenses, and then bring jobs to the, the local community and, and have a couple of riders and drivers 
um, deliver alcohol around um, Cork City. Okay, so for those who would immediately say this is facilitating the proliferation of binge drinking, that is not your intent? Uh, Definitely not. So I suppose the alcohol industry is regulated and we put in our own measures to make sure that we're obviously within the law. But I think our our base foundation of our business model is that we want to deliver alcohol but responsibly. So, for example, we trade within the hours of off licences, except we do close a half an hour beforehand, so we do close at 9.30. And all our drivers are are trained fully in the responsible service of alcohol, so they verify and validate the customer's IDs, uh, and then the team can identify and address anybody that might already be intoxicated. So you've got to put those measures in place uh, to ensure that that doesn't happen, you know? Yeah, because it's, it's actually the law in a pub not to serve somebody if they're drunk. Now, that takes a lot of interpretation, but I suppose it comes under the remit of under the licensing laws, a publican has to run an orderly establishment. Uh, and you would be you'd, you would be aspiring to the same thing. If you, if you smell something fishy uh, on a false ID or that a uh, person is completely out of it or whatever, the, 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 the drink is withheld. What happens then because it's paid for, uh, already prepaid, I imagine? Uh, correct. Prepaid by credit card. So... Uh, in our terms and conditions, we outline that um, if that person cannot provide, a, sorry, customer cannot provide a valid identification or seems intoxicated, um, the sale does not, uh, it's not complete, and the goods are returned back to the off license. Okay, so and and a refund then is affected back to the card, is it? Uh, that is a case by case basis, to be honest with you, Mick. Yeah, well, if somebody pays for something and you, and your driver uh, deems that uh, they're they're too drunk or too young or whatever. Uh, then you know they're, they're going to be entitled to their refund. Uh, maybe, maybe at a charge yeah. for maybe at a driver's uh, cost charge for, for for going out on, on a false errand, if you like. Correct. There's a fee for obviously um, not being able to provide a valid identification, or if they are intoxicated, because we've already delivered the goods and now we have to return. So Clinks, which is probably um, a mashup of Click Drinks, is it? Uh, <laughs> it, it kind of is, really. Yeah. Well, it was more of um, a toast, really. So, toast oh, clinking of glasses. Yeah, clinking of glasses. I'm reading. I'm re- reading too much into it. It seems like a great, a great idea. And 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 why it may behove me to uh, to concentrate on. Hang on a second. What what if? Uh, and we've we've gone through all that. That you do have a duty of care processes in place. Of course, there are, there are other applications. Uh, you, you may be planning a communion party or something, and don't have time to go for an off-licence. Can that service be used to, to do a block order in the middle of the day? That's exactly it. Honestly, Nick, a lot of our customers during the day are corporates. So we've had a lot of deliveries recently that, you know, you might send a bottle of, of wine to your solicitor as a thank you or um, whatever the case may be. But essentially, what we're trying to do is provide a service uh, in a safe manner uh, and in a timely manner. So um, what we're saying to people is that we'll get your goods within 60 minutes uh, and, as I said, in a responsible manner. So if if Joe Bloggs in ABC Limited decided to have uh, an office uh, party, safely, of course, um, on, on Friday evening and say, guys, um, get the train or the bus in, we'll be having a few drinks after work, uh, they could avail of your service to do a delivery of uh, said alcohol in a safe manner and not have to send one of the staff down and, and horse in all of the uh, the uh, attendant drinks um, and set them up that's and all it. that kind of thing. That's exactly it. And a lot of people are always short on ice, so we also deliver ice. To oh, that's, those a, that's a huge thing. <laughs> so have you had yeah. orders just to deliver ice alone? Believe it or not, we sure have. 
that's a great application, <laughs> I have to say, in, 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 in that sense. So how long yes. are you home uh, and how has business been going? Uh, so we returned pre-COVID um, and we came back with uh, our respective jobs that we had abroad. And, and obviously COVID had kicked in. So um, essentially we were kind of thinking, you know, is this the right time to set up a business? So we waited a while and obviously there's, there's a lot to setting up a, a business like this. It's a, it's a tech startup. Uh, essentially so the legal side of things we had to um, investigate first that took some time so uh, I suppose from concept to launch it's been a kind of an 18 month journey um, and in startup and I know if any of your listeners are in startup it's a it's a hell of a road (laughs) it's very exciting and we are very excited Uh, but it it comes with a couple of ups and downs you know but we are launched we engage with some really good partnered off licenses they have some great ranges of beers, wines and spirits and they've been great. So uh, number 21 in the city centre have been exceptionally um, supportive as a partner. Uh, and so have Scallies in Black Rock um, that we serve as that local area as well. So um, the tech side of it itself has been, uh, I suppose, um, innovative. Yeah, I can imagine. Yeah, but, but <laughs> servicing late night parties at half one or half two in the morning is, is not your modus operandi. Uh, definitely not, no. No, our last last call for clinks is 9.30 p.m. So that's the last time you can order. Then, then by law, the drinks would have to be collected by 10 and, and, and be on their way. But essentially, uh, if I'm getting this right, uh, a person makes a legal order through your app in legal opening hours. The alcohol is collected before closing time, which is 10 p.m. for off licenses. And you're fully within your remit then. Uh, it being paid for and leaving the licensed premises uh, within licensing hours, you're fully okay to deliver it uh, even after it closes, uh, even after 10 p.m. because it's been paid for and left. It's just in transport. That's correct, Mick. I nearly would hire you as a sister myself. <laughs> I know you. So you're, you've co-founded this with your wife, Regina, Andrew and Regina Scannell, uh, and it's a, it's, you're, you're propagating it as a responsible service of alcohol. That's your business's top priority and focus. Correct. That's it. Okay. Where do people find you, Andrew? Uh, www.clinks.ie it's that simple so it's a C-L-I-N-K-S dot I-E and you can download the app on um, uh, Google Android or Apple iOS uh, through the links on the website on Clinks but definitely follow our socials and you'll get some tips and tricks on our Instagram and our Facebook as well yeah and you don't do ancillary service like delivering glasses and collecting them the following day or any of that do you? that is not yet but you know there's, like a business there's plenty of avenues you can go down so <laughs> stay tuned yeah, and as a nation with a predilection for alcohol, shall we say, or certainly having the reputation for it, um, have you? Is there has there been any pushback from any of the powers that be, or you know, off licenses obviously welcome the business. Uh, yeah. If if you're safely uh, purchasing the alcohol, safely delivering it, and stopping people having the temptation, if you like, to take a chance with alcohol already imbibed, hop in the car to top up for their party or whatever. Um, so it seems like a win-win, but have you had any pushback, legal or otherwise, or any reticence uh, from uh, f- people to join your uh, your supply chain? So touch wood, none so far. In fact, I, I go to say the opposite, and people have been extremely supportive, and, and I suppose supportive of the business model itself. Again, when you look at it, the core, I suppose the core foundation being responsible service of alcohol, and that's what we're here to do, you know. So enjoy the party, but be responsible. All right. That's our message. Best wishes to yourself and Regina. Clinks.ie, you can get it on Apple 
uh, and on the uh, an- the Android store as well. Thanks a million for taking the call, Andrew. Best of luck, luck with the new business. And of course, uh, as we always do, as you do, it's a drink responsibly situation. Thanks very much. One final caller, and uh, that is Dennis on line two. Hi, Dennis. Hi, just a little, just to make everyone aware there, there's um, a text going around there from Electric Ireland, and it's um, in relation of your last bill didn't go through, just to make everyone aware of the scam text going around. Okay, so if, if you do respond to that text uh, and you are worried, um, it's probably malware that's in it. It'll get into your system. It'll probably clean out your bank or whatever. Yeah, just, I'd say just delete it straight away, I'd say. Yeah, just delete There's other ones going around from the M50 toll uh, and that kind of thing. And, uh, you know, if if you had transited the M50 toll, if you'd been to Dublin Airport or something to collect somebody, you'd be half inclined to click and say, I thought I paid that on the way up. Maybe I didn't. I'll click here. And, and that's when you fall into the trap, isn't it? Yes. And um, I um, recently went through the M50 and you you can just, you can pay it on, you can pay it over the phone as well. There's no, you know, they will take calls over the phone so. Just don't maybe do it through online banking or anything like that. Yeah, don't do not do it on your device. There's other ones yeah. going around about uh, deliveries and on post and uh, banking and all of that. So if you're getting... And there's a really, really bad one about, um, uh, hi, mom, I'm on somebody else's phone. It's urgent. Uh, can you get back to me on this number? Uh, and then that process, uh, I can't answer the phone. Please, I need money urgently. And it, it gets sent like that. So just be aware, there are many and myriad scams out there uh, that are uh, texting people's phones uh, and the, the text looks real uh, and it does call to action, if you like. It gives you the call to action to engage, uh, but you're engaging in very, very dangerous territory. Thanks for that uh, scam call warning. Uh, watch out, folks. Electric Ireland would never uh, send the text uh, that, uh, that these scammers are sending. And be careful if you get one. Uh, better ring them up and be sure. Thanks a million. Thank you. Cheers. Thanks. thanks. Bye-bye. Uh, my thanks to the show's producers, Kevin Galvin, Seamus Whelan and uh, Claire O'Connor. And we're back tomorrow morning uh, with the Neil Prendeville Show for Friday after news at nine. For more Red FM podcasts, go to redfm.ie forward slash podcasts.